You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, David Hall. Reports of me being eaten by a shark are exaggerated. Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Say, hey, Greg Hectus. How did I get here? And Tony Groves. Afternoon for you, evening for us. What's up, guys? On the show today, we'll review the fantastic finish, the iRacing E-NASCAR Coke Series race with the voice of E-NASCAR, Evan Pasoko. We check out the, some new reveals from the Peachtree 3 charity race, as well as NASCAR taking it to the streets. And we learn from Dave Cam a lesson from that many need to learn, proper sim racing etiquette. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. As an enthusiast sim racer, we look for the equipment for our rigs that gives us the performance, quality, and feel of real-world race cars. And that's exactly what SimCoach's Pedals delivers. Feel the difference of the highest quality constructed premium pedals with 100% leak-proof hydraulic construction that feels as good as the real thing and looks even better. And with full access to their proprietary visor software, you'll be able to customize your pedals to your exact preferences to maximize your results on the track. Also with your purchase, you'll receive a lifetime warranty with the best product support in the industry. So take Take your rig to the next level, the top level, with SimCoach's pedals at SimCoaches.com. And remember, when checking out, use the coupon code IRACERSLOUNGE to get 10% off your purchase. First-time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR peak in And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Going to look to the bottom. It is not going to be enough. And Ryan Luza is going to go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Welcome back, Evan Pasoko. Hey, thanks for coming. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, what a wild race, and uh, as always, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. It was a, a great week, um, really entertained. We'll talk about it, but before uh, pre-race, it was great hearing from Bobby and uh, Dylan Duvall. We had some interviews with those guys, and, and of course, uh, NASCAR announced uh, Chicago Street Race, and then uh, you were quick to announce as well. Uh, that we're going to be racing uh, at the Coke Series there in just two weeks for the All-Star Race. Yeah, it'll be fun, right? I mean, we, we saw that uh, this track was almost purpose-built 
um, for that exhibition last year with the Pro Invitational Series. Um, obviously, a lot of the Coke drivers were really heavily involved in helping some of the real-life pros, again, still kind of learn it and whatnot. But uh, now we'll see what they can do. And, you know, road course races are always kind of the... Uh, the outlier or the wild cards um, more so nowadays than they were three years ago, right? I mean, three years ago, you could I could tell you who was going to win the race, one or two names. Now you got five, six guys that can win it. So I think it'll be fun um, just to kind of give, uh, you know, the the more casual fans kind of an idea of what you'll see uh, next year with the cup race in Chicago. But uh, street racing is exciting. I mean, being Canadian, I've seen a lot of uh, Pinty series races on some street circuits over the years. Um, I think it'll be uh, a success for the for the Cup Series, and hopefully um, it it puts on a good show for our All Star race, right? I mean, road course races aren't typically what you would think for an All Star, so uh, we'll see what kind of format uh, they come up with, and and that should be fun as well in two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to that. Um, on to the race, green flag. It was uh, Taylor Hurst with his uh, second career pole. Donovan Strauss leading the field into turn one, but. Uh, didn't take long lap one it wasn't a caution but a meatball for Caden Honeycutt cut as he was trying to avoid Bobby Zielinski uh, he had a broken toe link uh, he had to pit um, and of note uh, somebody mentioned that he'll be in the actual truck race this weekend well, that's going to be really cool, right? I mean, that's been a, a point of uh, note that we've mentioned, I think, uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, the fact that we've seen guys, uh, you know, like Caden get some real-world action in. Obviously, Retzlaff is a name that uh, jumps out. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely going to be one that you're going to want to watch this weekend. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, his Coke race doesn't go the way uh, that he wanted. But I'll tell you what, Pocono admittedly, not a track I always look forward to, right? It can have its exciting moments, but if you get a race with 15 yellows, you're going to spend a lot of time under yellow, right? Those are long laps. So we get that wreck, turn one, lap one, and we're all kind of thinking to ourselves, oh boy, here we go, right? It's, we're not going to be able to get any rhythm into this thing. We're not going to get to any sort of green flag pit stops. And um, that's how it started. But uh, for the rest of the first half of the race, things were actually pretty good. Yeah, they uh, spread out a bit, and by lap seven, we noticed Zach Novak was the biggest mover so far. He was up 10 spots from 28th to 18th, uh, but it's tough to pass all, all around. Nick Ottinger was able to get one done on lap 12, where he got around Donovan Strauss to move into P2, and then he set his sights on the leader, Taylor Hurst. By lap 18, uh, Logan Clampett takes eighth from Mike Conti, but other than that, not a lot of movement. Yeah, you know, we saw, I think, uh, you know, two, maybe three drivers be able to get to the lead up front. And, you know, you mentioned Conti. He did a pretty good job um, at, at, at getting some spots. Clampett was able to get around him at that point. But, you know, in the top 10, you had a couple of guys up three spots, up two, maybe one guy up four. But, you know, you really didn't see a ton of movement until you got to the midfield. Um, which is pretty typical, right? Guys in the 20s getting to the teens. Back there, you saw guys plus 10, plus 12. But uh, up front, it, it was pretty much the same group of drivers to this point. Yeah, we had contact at uh, lap 20 with Conti and Vincent, but no caution. Uh, Kyle Pedal was told that he was blinking, so he parked it. Um, 
lap 21 taylor hurst has a big moment um and, and falls back uh, lap 22 uh we noticed vicente solace is coming up he's from 32nd up to 22nd 36 up to 22nd and then we start seeing uh pit stops where people start trickling in uh where uh you know hurst pits and, and nick ottinger takes the lead and the pit stop window was pretty big because 60 lap race again uh sticking with the theme of what we've seen kind of all year long right it's not that long of a race um and most people again you would think pit at 30 make it easy right but you could do a little bit more you could do with like 37 plus or minus a couple of laps depending on uh you know some of your shift points and whatnot but uh we did see drivers as you mentioned starting to come down to the pit road before that halfway point right lap 24 25 26 uh, some drivers start to come down uh, to pit road, and, and that leaves a pretty big window, right? I mean, Mitchell DeYoung, one of the first guys to come down pit road, was trying to take advantage of the undercut. And again, after having the wreck on lap one, all of a sudden, you know, we're talking in depth about a fuel strategy race at Pocono, which you don't often see on the service because you don't typically get to run for green for that long. So that added an interesting twist to the strategy as we got to halfway. Yeah, several pitted as we get to lap 29. Casey Kerwin cycled to the leader. It was a, a big moment on that lap where he made his way from fourth to first in a single lap. Um, and he takes the lead just uh, before halfway. Uh, lap 30, Ottinger pits. Uh, the top 12 at this point haven't pitted. Lap 31, uh, several others start coming in. Now, once Derek Justice pits, the cycle will complete, and it looks like it was going to be Mitchell DeYoung with control over the lead over Taylor Hurst at 25 to go. And now you start to close into the end of this one, right? DeYoung uh, was up there um, at the start of the race, um, but, you know, wasn't uh, leading laps, but took advantage of uh, being one of the first cars to come down pit road. Uh, and then all of a sudden, again, he's leading this race. We got a little bit of separation towards the front of the field. And uh, we, we had kind of just completed that cycle, uh, you know, with Derek Justice staying out. And then finally, you know, he's trying to catch a yellow. He decides to come down pit road. And we're like, all right, maybe this cycle is going to be through. And we kind of reassess what happened. And at that point, we're thinking we're running to the end. But uh, caution, lap 39, uh, which disrupts the whole thing. It's Liam Brotherton around on the long pond straight after slight contact or for maybe contact, no contact with Ray Alfala. He was just coming fast. But it changes everything, as you mentioned. Um, and so we have Bowden stay out, Duvall, Alfala, and Justice under that caution. Um, now, now Bowden leaves uh, 10 lap old tires from the front row. There were nine lap old tires on the second row and four laps old for justice and then everyone back there below behind them had pitted you know it was interesting because when those drivers came down pit road they also didn't really agree on what they wanted right so you had the guys up front as you just mentioned on you know, nine lap old tires uh you know justice obviously a little bit fresher there was no surprise that justice was going to stay out he obviously wanted the yellow i think before um he had to pit because he was hoping you know hey these guys had pitted 12 laps ago they would have pitted he would have cycled through to the lead so there was no shock that he was going to stay out on those little bit older tires i was a bit more surprised uh, that we saw the likes about and duval stay out on a little bit older uh, but then it was really mixed up from there right i mean you had a couple of drivers on two couple of drivers on four so you're you got kind of three strategies going on you got you know guys on old tires guys on two guys on four and at this point it's a whole new race yeah and in classic 
NASCAR style, we get a crazy restart. Uh, I mean, crazy. They were Dyson two and three wide, literally all the way through the field. I mean, it looked like a, you know, a Talladega pack almost the way it kind of looked, but uh, it shook out Bowden, Kerwin, Duvall up front. Uh, that was 18 to go by 14 to go. It was Casey Kerwin up front again. Yeah, Kerwin gets back to the lead. Uh, you know, he ends up uh, leading the most laps in this race by the time it's said and done. Uh, he started 11th, but was able to really start to, to take control as we get later in this race. And, uh, you know, you got Kerwin up there in the mix, but you, you can't get away with these cars, right? I mean, the only opportunity we had to see cars get away was if that yellow after the pit cycle doesn't happen, right? Then you kind of had uh, two cars for the lead, maybe third or fourth could have got in there. But, I mean, once you got that one restart we knew everybody was going to be breathing down each other's neck and it essentially looks like a plate race at that point yeah and by 12 to go we get three wide for the lead Derek bardo keegan leahy and casey kerwin but then caution behind them they can't hold it uh 12 it was 12 to go vizenti salas had crashed and they were four wide until they weren't the guy on the outside uh, always gets the short end it just uh, is not going to work. Um, try as you might, but uh, I will always recommend against four wide, which is funny because on the front stretch here at Pocono, we can put them as wide as you want, but uh, it's, it's it's just tough. I mean, I mean, at this point, and it's something I talked about on the broadcast, right? There was a lot of frustration over the radio with the drivers, but it's kind of everybody's responsibility because if if one driver decides, listen, I'm not going to drive crazy. I'm going to take it easy, and I'm going to drive smart then you're just going to get passed from behind, right? So everybody's forced into this hyper-aggressive attitude, and the only result is people going forward and wrecking, and we were going to see a lot of that late in this race. Yeah, this another classic restart uh, that really emulates what you see in NASCAR. Uh, eight to go, it was Bordeaux, Kerwin, Bowden up front. Behind them, so they broke away, you know, single file almost, And but behind them, they were three wide, four wide, six rows deep. Uh, and then at one point they were six wide getting into turn one, but it was no holes barred. Like you said, a mid pack racing. I mean, if you were in the middle of the pack, you were just digging. Yeah, you had to go. And, and the six wide somehow didn't result uh, in a massive accident. They they whittled from six down to four or three uh, by the time I think they got off into one. And, you know, once they survived that, all you could do is chuckle. I mean, these are the best of the best. Um, nobody else is going to be able to go six wide and make it stick. But but you kind of were waiting for it to happen. Right. You're thinking this, it's you, you survived it once. But that kind of racing just was not sustainable uh, for this thing to stay green. Yeah, so five to go. We hit the big caution again as Ottinger turns himself off Bowden's nose, basically. Uh, Leahy had just taken third. Nick was doing the same, trying to follow through, but was not clear, and, and Bowden wasn't going to lift. So uh, it won't be an E-NASCAR overtime. This will end up being the natural green-white checker restart for the next one course last time we were in pocono we saw some overtime so we kind of were questioning already coming into the afternoon um you know hey were we going to see a little bit of it again and i thought listen maybe this is our way to avoid it right you're you're it's a natural green white checkered um but uh it, it turns out 
we would uh, we would do it many times because we saw a lot of the same thing that we had just seen previously uh, with drivers going, you know, four or five wide in the pack. Yep. And then we got the live look at the points. One of my favorite features, uh, uh, Drew uh, uh, handles over there in the production booth uh, because Kerwin was leading at that point. And and, and, and Kerwin talked about this after the race, that this format really led him to race the way he raced. But uh, when you look at the live points, you see exactly why, right? Yeah, you have to, right? I mean, it was such a big difference. And, and the fact that he and Novak were up there, we touched on a couple of times, was huge, right? Because if you take the normal championship standings, right, if we ignore the wins, these guys are are easily playoff drivers you know zach novak fourth in the points uh casey kerwin actually leaving pocono um first in the regular season standings but we wait by wins and because we wait by wins he and novak who are both top five cars are on the last two points pain positions. So you saw in those live points as Casey's leading, he jumps up, that puts Novak down to the bubble. It kicks, you know, Reynolds even further down the line, Zelensky, DeYoung, I mean, big names below the playoff cut. But, you know, those wins are, are more important than ever, but they're not the end all be all because, you know, we'll talk about this more when we, when we talk about what happened, you know, once the race was done, but, I mean, wins alone may not cut it for some of these drivers. So uh, that's a big thing to to keep in mind is is the win is big. It's almost mandatory at this point. You, you can't just race for wins. You can't just race win or, you know, race for points. It's like you have to get a mandatory win. And then you also got to be consistent in this current era of the Coke series if you want to be going to the, po uh, the postseason. Yeah. And this track at this point in the race it's about track position. I mean, you need to be there and Kerwin's got it. So he's got a great restart. He gets out, he breaks free. Um, they're four and five wide mid pack. Zach Novak gets to second, uh, gets second from Bardot and then a huge wreck right before the white, like literally right before the white, or maybe as the white was coming out, it was one of those things, but it was the big one at Pocono. And so sure enough, we're going to official E NASCAR overtime. The back half of the field basically piled up when the guy on the outside got the wall and this came, you know, hooked left down into the field. Yeah, just squeezed out of room. Um, nothing that you can really do in that situation. Again, just the, the and I'm not blaming anybody as well, right, for how they're driving because I'm not surprised. Um, it's it's a hundred and ten percent push. Uh, you're you're pushing the limits of where you can fit these race cars, and and it happens, right? I mean, and you know, Casey obviously felt like he got to the white flag. Uh, the wreck very clearly started before he got to the white flag. Um, I think the question comes down to, you know, how much time does it take for when the wreck starts for the yellows to actually be displayed uh, in the service? And, uh, you know, Casey obviously thought that he had this thing done. But once again, Pocono, we're going to some NASCAR overtime. All right. And then restart number one. Kerwin gets the jump. Now, I want to digress a bit here. With the new restart rules, I was wondering if guys would still get big jumps, uh, but it, they certainly were. Uh, but it didn't take long. As soon as they got to the backstretch, the mid-pack wrecked again. It, this time, it was Colin Keister gets turned in another big one. Yeah, another big mess. And again, at this point, it's, it's Talladega racing, right? We are... 
wadding up race cars and uh, it is to be expected it, it very quickly becomes uh survival of the fittest and um it's it gets messy but that's that's what you get with uh you know not necessarily even this specific car in this package it's it's more so pocono's kind of always been crazy like this on the restarts and i think that combined with some of the elements of the new car obviously the current draft model that you got um on the service with these cup cars there's just no realistic way where we're gonna get to the white flag without wrecking race cars right there the only way that happens on a late race restart is if we have an accident but they don't actually spin right somebody bounces off each other they're into the wall but we get away without the yellow there's always going to be contact and uh, it's easy to say from an outside perspective why don't they just take it easy but again if you're not going hard you're losing six spots so all of that kind of finesse and and technique goes out the window and, and it's a hundred percent attack mode on every single one of these restarts. Nobody is passing up a look um, to be able to make uh, you know make a spot up or two. Yeah, and at this point, we watched you know Novak you know digging from third to second, and so now we got another restart. Kerwin and Novak do break free from the pack after turn one and end up side by side for the lead into two and Novak actually takes the lead as the pack wrecks behind them again in turn two. Uh, the contact started with Malik Ray and Ray Alfala. Alfala was not happy with Malik for hanging back on the restart. Apparently uh, they both survived, but the field ends up beat up behind them. Uh, and then we start thinking, well, some of these guys even have enough fuel for another overtime restart. Yeah, because this goes back to, to what we had referenced uh, earlier on, right? The fact that the pit window here um, was 36, 37 laps under green, maybe a tad more again, depending on your shifting. All the yellows are certainly helping some drivers save a little bit. Um, but many of them pitted a little bit early at the halfway point. Uh, if we don't get that yellow right after, everyone's short, right? But then we got that caution. So most people had pitted a little bit after the halfway point, um, you know, closer to lap 40. So you're thinking, all right, you can go, you know, somewhere into the, the mid-70s, but through two green-white checkers, we're already close to lap 70, and you're thinking, you know, this might be close, especially to the point that Blake mentioned, if you took full fuel at lap 39, you're fine, right? No question. Uh, but Blake correctly mentioned, and, and that's the driver in him for thinking this way, the fact that some drivers may not have filled the car up all the way because they don't want a heavy race car, right? They're going to A, save time on pit road by taking a little bit less fuel, but some drivers don't prefer it heavy. They want it to lighten up a little bit as the fuel burns off. And if that's the case, those were the drivers that we were really worried about. Yeah, absolutely. So um, at this point, you know, if you're a Zach Novak fan, I mean, you're you're sitting on the edge of your chair. This guy's run second how many times? Uh, you know, he's been knocking on the door and here he is uh, leading Casey Kerwin on the final restart. Uh, Zach gets a great jump. Uh, the top three actually break away single file from the pack. Uh, Kerwin is on second and Keegan Leahy third. Uh, Kerwin makes a big, big try in three and ends up getting side by side on the white flag. Uh <clears throat> The final cor corner, you know, Kerwin, you know, kind of gets in there and he, he dive bombs him and he gets it side by side and it kind of pushes them up a bit where they can get side by side. And they're banging off each other 
all the way down to the checkers. Uh, and, and, and right as they get to the line, I mean, he bangs him into the wall basically just a bit. And, and that was enough to slow the momentum just to, for that hair, you know, where Casey could beat him to the line. And that's what happened. It was, a just that traditional NASCAR, you know, Ricky Craven and, and Kurt Busch at Martinsville, you know, side by side, you know, who's going to really get it at the end and, you know, nascar style it was a great finish it was one of if not the wildest finishes i've seen in you know six or seven years watching this series and you know on the stopwatch six one thousandths of a second is, is is about as close as you can get i'm sure we've had a closer one i i'm sure in the records over the years um but the big thing is i i've never seen one as dramatic in the fact that you know they go side by side into the last corner uh you know it's casey puts it up the inside um you know they're they're gonna fight out for this win there's no doubt in that but then he gets into him and they just do not get away from each other um you know zach kind of saw it coming tried to open the door a little bit but casey puts it on his door and they just ride and they're still together they're still together off the corner then novak's in the wall then they're bouncing up back and forth and it is um an absolutely insane finish in the end casey kerwin ends up getting the race win um and zach novak still has two weeks to try something but if there is one more new race winner or if Novak, say, has a bad race, he's only 16 points ahead of the car behind him, that six one-thousandths of a second could be the difference between uh, Zach Novak missing and or making the playoffs, and Kerwin uh, did what he had to do. Um, I know it's unscientific. There was a bit of chatter about it, you know, uh, some somewhat ironic in the fact that if you remember back to when Zach Novak won his championship, Keegan Leahy could erect him for that, didn't right so there's some parallels there that you can draw but i did a very unscientific thing i just tweeted a poll i said fair or foul 90 percent of people said it was a fair move so clearly most people agree with when there's that much on the line you got to do what you got to do it's it's nascar i mean bar rules as i call it you know um when it's the last lap i mean this kind of stuff is acceptable in the in 2022 in nascar you know he didn't wreck him you know he moved him out of the way. And if I just watched the replay there and it looked like Zach was trying to play it clean. He was holding his line. He was holding it straight. And it was Casey kind of using him up, kind of pushing on him a little bit, you know, over and over and over. And then eventually he got him enough to get him into the wall. And that's kind of way I saw it. But, you know, afterwards in the interview, Casey, you know, he alluded to, Hey, I got to win. I got to win. And I was in position. I got to take it, you know, um, Sorry to Zach, you know, I hate to race you that way kind of thing. And, and I always and I, I kind of, you know, reference this slightly, but I always find the, you know, I, I hate to, to do it that way. The uh, line, because if you didn't want to have to race somebody that way, you don't have to. Right. I mean, that's your decision. Now, I'm not saying it's the wrong move. Uh, but I always found when somebody says, I, I know I, I didn't want to do that. You, you did. Um, right. But you're right. I mean, this is this is modern day NASCAR. We got the fenders on the cars. This is what NASCAR promotes in the real world. Um, you know, it, it's a thrilling finish. It's physical. Both drivers had an opportunity to win. And I don't deny that Casey, um, you know, went into the race saying, I'm going to, you know, rub a guy for the win. But 
you know, you if you didn't want to, you didn't have to, right? Keegan Leahy made a decision with the championship on the line a couple of years ago that that's not how he wanted to race, and he didn't race that way with $10,000 on the line. So some drivers, you know, have a different line. I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but, um, you know, some drivers prefer to race differently than others. And now you'll see, you know, how, how does Novak respond, right? I mean, is he going to be more aggressive down the line? I don't think there's any bad blood specifically with Casey, just like I don't think Casey hit Zach because it was Zach, right? It could have been any car in front of him. Casey Kerman's going to do the same thing to get the race win. And that's all that matters for him and his team because now he's going to be able to fight for a championship. Yeah. You know, and, and like you kind of alluded to, you know, stuff, luck comes around, you know, you, you have good days and bad days and it, it may uh, work out in the playoffs that, you know, Zach is a real wide car, you know, as Casey Kerwin's trying to come by. Yeah. You know, it, it come, what goes around comes around, if you will. And now he'll have to, to see, right? I mean, does this get uh, paid back in the future? Is it going to be, you know, Zach making his life difficult? Is it going to be um, Zach racing other people that way, right? Maybe Zach says, you know, I, I got to drive like this too. If other people are going to drive like that, I got to drive like that, right? So uh, those are all the questions. Um, and, and we'll see how it plays out as we continue towards, uh, you know, the better part of $300,000 being given out here in a couple of months. All right. Well, very good. It was a great race. Um, had some good social media video moments, you know, as they were coming to the line. Great video to drive new uh, viewership. But uh, we get to forget about points for a while uh, because we're going to all-star racing, right? Yeah, that's right. We're not going back uh, points racing uh, basically for a month um because you know we have our, our kind of off week on week off week on week so the next points race um is in august on the 16th at uh, watkins Glen, which um you know we'll, we'll probably have plenty of time to, to talk about what the outlook is to watkins Glen uh, when we recap the all-star race in a couple of weeks but uh I, I do wish that this all-star race was a little bit earlier in the year because there's so much storylines and so much drama and interest after that pocono finish it's kind of a shame that we have to wait four weeks to to race meaningfully again right but uh the street course could be interesting right it's it's nothing like watkins Glen, so i'm not going to say that someone who does good on the street course in chicago is going to uh you know translate that to watkins Glen but I think you'll see a lot of those same names up front. It's going to give us an opportunity to mention DeYoung, Zelensky, uh, Bolin, you know, some of these other guys that can win at Watkins Glen. They're likely to be really successful uh, on the Chicago street course. And it could be a preview if, if since this race is on the calendar for the Cup Series next year, we could see a points race at the Chicago street course uh, in the Coke Series next season. So I think it's a, a fun kind of teaser, like I said, for some of the more casual fans. I think NASCAR will certainly be able to use uh, some content from the all-star race to promote, hey, this is what uh, these cup cars will look like on the streets of Chicago. I think it's going to be interesting. Street courses are some of the most fun things to drive on the service. I, I There are very few combinations on the service that i enjoy more than an indy car at long beach so hopefully these cup cars at the chicago street course are fun hopefully it's challenging for these drivers maybe gives them an opportunity to decompress because then when we come back for watkins Glen, uh it is going to be a lot of racing uh for those final six it sure is i'm looking forward to it yeah evan pasoko hey thanks for coming on the show and hey we'll talk to you then absolutely appreciate you guys having me
All right, we're jumping into the news, and the first item we're going to have is in the Indy rescan during the Peachtree 3 charity race. Greg Hill talked about a rescan of a very popular track, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Now, I would contend with maybe the Oval is a popular track, but how many of us really love this uh, this uh, road course? Yeah, little flat. I wonder if they're going to put the it. giant turtles in there that uh, that was destroying cars last year. Bring it on. Now, is there any change yep. to the configuration from our previous scan to what they run now? Well, it was different even than last year. the 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 previous The old scan was a very old scan, it was which was not what NASCAR actually ran last year. So this is supposed to be closer to what they're actually running. Yeah, the last chicane before it came up onto the track, it would go. You come around the corner um, out of the infield, you're split. It would go around the track before, and now it's got a. It goes around to the. Uh, um, another set of turns that go towards the where pit road, the exit of pit road is, and then come back up. So uh, you got a couple more turns in there. I think it's going to fix that other. What are they calling it? The launching pad area. We could call it SpaceX Corner. So we have more to come about the road course for Indy later in the show. Um, but one thing that got pointed out: if you look in the upper left corner, you kind of see a circle in that uh, far corner. Well, that's the dirt track at Indy, and they did scan it based on that circle. So there's some discussions in the forums and Twitter. Hey, uh, are we going to get the dirt track at Indy? It looks like they scanned it, but uh, like I said, it looks like we're only getting the road course first, and then these other configurations will come later. Yeah, as long as they scan it and have the data, I mean, they can always bring it in later. So they're not even going to re- release the new oval, huh? Well, not immediately. The, um this next patch is going to be the road course only uh, because the, that race is coming up. So this is races in two weeks, I believe. And the tweet says track getting like it implying that it hasn't been scanned yet, but we see the picture of it. So with their new technology, it looks like they can do these things, these scans pretty quick and then get the data somehow into the, into the, the creation, the computer and, and get it done. Especially if they're not particularly worried about updating all of the external graphics, since they already kind of have that from from the previous build. If all they're going to do is change the track data on the in, in internals, that that may not be quite as much work. Okay, so we know Indy's coming. Nick Nebon he put up a video right away of Greg Hill and what he said during the Peach Tree Three Charity Race. And so, thanks Nick for that, so we can refer back to it and see exactly what was said. Um, but the other thing that was said was, uh, guess what? Rain. And we got some pictures of it too. I've heard you guys talk about rain on previous shows. How do you guys want to see rain implemented in the official series? Sparingly. No. No. So how Greg Hill described it is it's going to be based off of real world weather. And so it'll be as realistic as that i mean is that not good enough will it be for the week so let's say it's raining and spawn monday and the the new tracks get released on monday or the week starts so you race on wet weather monday but come thursday are we going to keep rain all week or are we going to go day by day that's a good point that's going to change how you how you perform throughout the week maybe some championship points more specifically does he mean the actual short-term weather forecast or kind of more like they pick the temperatures where it's more based on climate and on an average and it's still a little bit shuffled 
Right, because what do you do in the winter? Um, you can't do snow, obviously, um, if you're doing real-world weather. Good point. Yeah, I don't think he gave us enough details to answer all, all, any of those questions. I, I but can't... I... Go ahead. Yeah, I can't see it being practical for ovals for whatever reason, if they want to try it. No, you can't race ovals in the rain. It's just not safe in real life. It never happened. I know they've been testing in the short the short track realm with the tires and whatnot, but but I kind of do like that. It you know, could be based on real weather. It takes some of the um, it, you know it adds the randomness to it that um, you know as opposed to them kind of manipulating the schedule possibly uh, and doing any kind of shenanigan type of things. It's all just based on you know what the random weather patterns actually uh, actually are. So the one of the screenshots is in sim info tab where you would see like the length of the race and the weather and stuff like that it has a picture of the weather radar so you can see like the rain and you know at, you know as it's coming in uh pretty cool you know to eyeball that you know right before you get in the race and and uh see what you might expect for a you know tire strategy now they, they could use this in ovals for just temperatures, you know, as temperatures fluctuate throughout, uh, you know, a season or throughout, um, you know, different fronts and stuff coming through. That could make a, a difference in how the oval series races. You obviously just take the rain out and just just add in the temperatures. And possibly maybe track state, like suddenly it's a green track again. And so the rain he talked about how it all is interacts with each other and it, it's in the traditional iRacing sense where the, the tire molecule, the rubber molecules interact with the water molecules with the track and, and then, you know, how much water gets moved off the track through the grooves in the tire, you know, how, how does the track absorb the water? Where does the water run off? And, and he talked about all these kind of scenarios, you know, as far as how they're designing it and making it as realistic as possible. And there, a lot of the road racers have really been wanting this, especially since it's in some of the other uh, road-centered sims. So it, it it's good, especially on the roadside. And just don't forget, even though we are pretty oval-centric, I've been running spa this weekend or this week to get ready for the 24-hour spa. And um, at like 1 o'clock yesterday there was about 600 people registered for the race so it's still a big part of the service so the other thing that he previewed is active reset active reset is a feature where you would have a, a your but uh, some buttons that you map and you're going through a corner you know let's say you're going through pocono tunnel turn and you want to figure out how do i carry speed through there the best and you want to practice it well, right before the tunnel turn, maybe at the, the, you know, there's the one, two, three marker on the wall, maybe at the one marker, you push a button going full speed into that corner. Okay. And that marks the beginning of the active reset. Then add, after you go through the corner and you pull out and you're headed towards turn three, you push another button and that marks the end of it. Then you push a third button to do the active reset, and it basically puts you at full speed with the same tires and temperature and speed and everything at that moment at the one marker before the tunnel turn and lets you drive through the tunnel turn to that other point, and then it resets again. And so you do the turn over and over and over. And so it's a good way to practice it 
without having to come off pit road every time and, and do a outlap and all that. Everybody take a moment and talk about, and just let yourself absorb the fact that Mike said there was a good way to practice. <laughs> no, it is. This is pretty good. Um, practicing things in isolation is pretty smart. We do this in music a lot. Uh, if I've got a, a symphony and I've got 60 minutes worth of music and there's one minute of it, that's hard. You want to practice on that one minute, not just keep playing through the whole work the whole time. So it's this is a this can lead to some very smart practice. Yeah, I've thought about something like this for for a while. Um, but it gets frustrating if you just want to practice that one turn and you're taking your outlap and you're not paying attention, even though you should be, and you get an off off track, maybe damage your car before you even get to that corner. So this will be useful. It'll just make the aliens become quicker, faster, and then it should be an equal playing field for all of us. Yeah, I was I was going to say that same thing, Donnie. Um, there's uh, how hard is it going to be to be in those um, championship series now? I mean, those guys can really, especially the road where you can isolate uh, particular corners. Those guys are just gonna just gonna run them things to death with with as much practice they could do now, and if it's more focused than it ever was. It's going to be they're going to be so much they're going to be better than they were, which is already ridiculous. But they'll be more efficient, all right? It's not about necessarily practicing more, but practicing smarter. So, and finally, at the end of the active reset discussion, Greg Hill finishes by alluding to other neat, cool, kind of related features like active reset. But he didn't say anything really more than that, but said, we have some more cool stuff coming like this. So what is he talking about there? I, I can't even imagine. Victory lane. Yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah, there you go. Middle finger out the window animation. Yes. Yes, that'd be great. They did talk about garages. I think when they released one of the European tracks, one of the England tracks, we did we do come out of a garage. I can't remember the track, but more garage access would be nice if for those who want to drive and park in a garage. Yeah, maybe have an option, you know, that you can click on and off if you want to start from the pit stall or from the garage. Well, the next thing we got coming up is the Sim Racer premiere. Tony, do you think you would drive all the way down to Atlanta to watch this one? <laughs> no, but if I was a little closer, yeah, absolutely. This is cool. We've been following this for a while, and um, I don't know if – I think this is the first time we've seen a, a date when it was actually – you know, going to be going to be out. I know they've put a, like a little bit of teasers here and there, but uh, it's, it's been a while since we heard anything. So it's this is good. It's good. I, I'm looking forward to being able to see it uh, somehow at some point. Hopefully uh, it wouldn't be too much longer after that where they we can have access to it digitally. So when is it premiering? Yeah, I probably should have uh, led with that. Right. That'd be uh, September 18th. Um, it'll be uh, premiering at the Plaza Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. And yep. so you go to eventbrite.com uh, to get tickets to to attend. I'm surprised they went with a, this is almost like a serious drama slash action movie based on the trailer. Well, we do have a paragraph here about, the, it's a synopsis. Luke Wallace finds out he will lose his home unless he comes up with 9,630 days. He enters a sim race that pays 20000 to try to save his home. Will he win the race and save his home, or will he lose everything? 
Love it. Yep. I'm in. Does he have to steal his racing rig from an enemy camp behind enemy lines? We better get GPU issues, green screen of death. We better get something. Connectivity issues. Add to the plot. Or a video card that's the top of the line that doesn't work. He won't. He won't be able to get that because he's got to buy his house. Oh, he runs out, so, and grabs you know like the the fifty dollar uh, elastic band steering wheel, and wondering why he can't get around the tracks. So then he's got to go and hustle to get himself a force feedback wheel, and and uh, you know hooks it up to the old TV tray, the old the old tin TV tray, and oh, it's just yeah, it, it's it's it'll be a story of struggle. He'll, he'll borrow Timmy Hill's rig, but he can't borrow Timmy Hill's talent. So, I want to see a Harry Hyde type scene where he's talking to the chassis after he's done put it together. All that. I want to see it all. Tell you what, once this right. is actually available online, we need to have a live reaction video viewing as a part of our show. We're just doing it, do a special event on a on a Tuesday or something, and have have everybody come on and just turn it into a community event. Because if you're doing it as a reaction video, you you're around the copyright rules. Yeah, we'll so, do it. I'll I'll pick this video up. I was gonna buy it anyway, so I'll uh, I'll get. I want to support this. This is cool. That's what I was just gonna ask: is what is the distribution? That's my concern. Is you know, is it uh, going to be distributed? How is it going to be distributed? Are you going to see it in the actual theaters? Like it kind of sounds like, or is it going to be like a a video on YouTube? I'll take YouTube. I mean, he's not going to make his money back with the video on YouTube. You know what I mean? The new uh, Cobra Kai started on YouTube and they got picked up. You never know. Pretty cool. Can't wait to see what, I mean, when it comes online, I'll be the first to watch it. So it'll be fun. All right, Mike, it looks like we've got a post with some sim racing stats. Yeah, we've talked about this website before. I just wanted to bring it up and remind everybody, simracingstats.com is a real thing. And you can go there and basically see what series has the most participation. Uh, you know, oval, dirt, road, you know, dirt road, whatever. And, uh, you know, when I was deciding what road car to kind of pick, you know, I was going off of my teammates' suggestions. But this is a great tool to kind of go along with it because you don't want to buy a car to a dead series. You know, like if the race never goes official, in a particular car you're thinking about buying, I mean, what's the point? Um, the whole idea is to race people. So you need to kind of look at this and get an eyeball on, you know, how many people are running on in a given series. So what are your surprises about uh, the numbers? Is there anything surprising? Truck fixed is, uh, or classy fixed being number one oval is interesting. I don't see they NIS on here. No, they, they. This is only uh, among the weekly ones, the twelve week ones. I don't know if he has a way of uh, including that separately or what. Yeah, there's my a, weekly series isn't on here. There's a couple of things that drive that probably the classy fixed. Um, first of all, that's trying. To, that some of them are probably trying to get ready for road to pro, or they just don't like the A car because of the way it drives. And that that's also really just where you start to cut your teeth in the ovals as well. Once you get into the NASCAR for people who want to get into NASCAR tracks instead of running like late models. All right, Brian, uh, it's not really your neck of the woods, but we've got to scan at Toronto. 
Yeah, this was actually um, posted on um, the forums from Andrew Massey. He posted that um, from they were they were covering a NASCAR Pinty race at Toronto, and Adam Ross, who's like the lead commentator for the NASCAR Pinty race, uh, said that the Toronto Street Circuit is going to be scanned overnight by iRacing. Um, and that was uh, July 15th, so last week. So uh, apparently that uh, Toronto Circuit got a uh, scan. So uh, um, they mentioned that maybe he wasn't meant to do that, meant to mention that, because uh, typically, uh, you know, well, sometimes we hear about scans before it's re- before we hear anything from iRacing, but that's how it was released, that, uh, that this track is going to be scanned. So I watched the video. Somebody put a video up of it on Reddit. And the announcer, they were under a caution, a long caution. And the announcer was basically reading his list of events off a piece of paper. And so they're in the middle of the list of events in the race. And he's reading down the page and, and it said at midnight, you know, track scan or track is being scanned. Now it didn't say, he didn't say scanned by iRacing specifically. He just said the track is being scanned. Now, he went on to elaborate. I think he assumes it's for iRacing, but I don't think it, the paper said that. Uh, he went on to tell the, the audience, yeah, it's probably for iRacing and this and that, yeah. Right. He did uh, He did mention iRacing by name in that um, commentary, but, uh, but you're right, though. He didn't, they didn't actually say it was iRacing scanning it for sure. Um, I think it was a little bit of a, um, um, you know, a guesstimate, but... Um, I mean, who else typically does scanning other than iRacing? It's it's I think it's pretty rare. No other no other simulators do that. Um, I guess only like uh, manufacturers might do it for testing. But I don't know if this is a track that you know a, a manufacturer is going to spend a lot of money in scanning for uh, for their you know for their factory simulators. Yeah, we haven't heard nothing obviously from iRacing yet if this is confirmed. But I thought they were making a console IndyCar game. But I don't know if the console games scan like the simulations do. So nice to have some more Canadian representation, right, Tony? Yeah. Uh, I guess that's cool. <laughs> not not too better ex- in Toronto, right? <laughs> well, he's not too excited that it's a road course slash street course, all right? Nope. But it seems like they're really they're really starting to set some speed records on scanning these. Uh, these tracks right or maybe it's this guy setting a speed record by glitching certain tracks in iRacing have you checked this one out donnie yeah so reddit user mde tour posted on reddit proof that here are several tracks where you can glitch into objects and get ejected into mock speeds i have not personally come across this but i'm reading his uh screenshot here that somebody posted on reddit and he's going 2290 kilometers an hour and somebody further down in the comments said they've gotten up to 13,000 miles an hour. Have any of you guys glitched into the unknown? There was a place, I don't remember, one of the ovals where if you got kind of hung on the wall, you'd suddenly launch into, into the middle of nowhere. I think they found it and fixed it, but not hearing you, Mike. Talladega still has a launcher right outside Pitt Road to the on the left. Yeah, this guy's saying he got um, one of the comments, 13,000 miles an hour over Bathurst in the IndyCar. So they're launching from somewhere. I was talking about SpaceX uh, corners, and that's almost, that's not quite fast enough for orbit, but it's close. 
And speaking of close racing, the next thing we've got is a five wide Instagram post from a Michigan race in IndyCars. Pretty cool uh, ending here where they all are going for the win. Literally five cars for the lead. And it's just a matter of, it's like chess, you know, when you're in IndyCar at Michigan, where do you position yourself? Because you don't want to be the leader coming out of four, pretty much. And this isn't just five wide. There's actually about eight or nine cars jogging for position here. Yeah, it looks fun. Right. Looks exciting. And, and none of them touch, it seems. The IndyCar's NIS equivalent uh, is at Iowa this week, so I should be running that Saturday morning. It's usually a lot of fun. Um, nothing like this, though, usually. This is really good. All right, Mike, did you give the Not Top 10 a watch? Yeah, good stuff here for sure. I, I almost like these better than the Top 10. But uh, five minutes of uh, glory, basically. Yeah, nine through one are pretty awesome, but what other than spinning off on that turn for number 10? But um, the last one's awesome where they're uh, all trying to jump some road course at the end, GT cars or touring cars. Oh, that's at Bathurst, the, the jump at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, they basically all, there's a bunch of them, like 40 or 50, and they all take the jump, and they all pile up at the end of the, the jump. And it's carnage, you know, on steroids, basically. The, the, the first one really gets you, gets you though, because if you, you got to listen to the announcer, the announcer basically, as soon as he starts talking about this, this one driver, the driver Rex, and he's like, well, you've done it again. You've cursed him. And he's got that curse uh, going on where they talk about somebody and they immediately wreck. For that last one there, do you have to turn your force feedback down or just go with it? And I'm hoping they re-racked and they did a last man standing. You just hold on and go for it. Or you let go so you don't break your hand. One of the two. I kind of like number five, which is the, or number seven. I mean, that was the one with um, the uh, GT cars going down the straightaway at um, Summit Point. And uh, they go off track and they hit like a, they just hit a, bump just perfectly and just go get launched um they actually they actually vaporize it looks like they just kind of disappear after a second yeah it's instant tow when that happens so there's a lot of road courses where if you just there's no barrier or anything but once you pass a certain point you're just already towing so for the real summit do they have barriers or do they even race these kind of cars there because it looks like there's a tree there and obviously a lot of ramps you can drive off of yeah, they put you right back on pit road if you try to launch off those hills, though. Yeah, I've never really noticed it. I mean, I probably should have, but racing that track, you don't notice all the ramps and the trees that are just randomly happen about. Yeah, that's interesting because that, you know, we talk about it at NASCAR track when they didn't used to put safer barriers on every wall. As soon as they would leave a wall empty, somebody would find it. There was the Lotus 49s at Watkins Glen, and I think one of the drivers forgot what kind of car he was in and where the braking point was. I mean, you really have to hit the brakes early, early, early in this car. And he he missed the braking point like 20 feet and and ran over everybody. It was crazy. I didn't hit anybody, but I kept doing the same thing at Road America in the cup car because you can you just have to stop, I don't know, a few definitely a few hundred feet earlier than you can in a GT3 car. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anything barrel rolls quite as fast as those Lotus cars. Because when, when they start barrel rolling at that speed, they, they're just they're just rotating like like crazy. 
That catch fence held up, though, pretty good. Saved those fans. Yeah, that was coming down uh, the straightaway at Watkins Glen going into turn one. And, uh, yeah, he just missed it, Hit, ran over somebody's uh, open wheel, turned sideways, and just started rolling like, like crazy. Probably would have got sick in VR on that one because that was, that was pretty violent. What about that motion rig that we had last week? Yeah, the one that does the barrel rolls. <laughs> I don't know if it goes that fast, but I'd like to see it try. <laughs> that thing's got to break over time. It's almost like it's going to the next level. Right, Donnie? Yes, sir. Next Level Racing becomes official partner of the Monday Night Racing Series. Next Level Racing becomes official partner. Cockpit and Sim Racing accessory manufacturer Next Level Racing has partnered with leading esports league Monday Night Racing. And this is exciting because this just shows, I don't say the notoriety, but the exposure Sim Racing leagues are getting, and especially this one. This one is a high-profile one, and it's just nice to see the, the sport growing. Yeah. Uh, season five champion will win a P1 GT Elite cockpit uh, and monitor mount uh, and seat. Essentially, the full package. It's uh, not a bad prize. All right, as our cost concerned member Tony, I'm going to throw, throw this next one to you since it's all about free stuff. <laughs> My favorite number, free ninety nine. So. Uh, J.W. Miller has been collecting several different free guides, including setup guides, car and track tips, and telemetry guides uh, and workbooks, and is willing to share the links to anyone interested. And you'll find that on the, uh, on the forums. So how would we search this up on the forums? You just search up J.W. Miller or uh, like free iRacing resources, probably. Or yeah, you go to the those. show notes and click on the link. Yeah. Oh, good call. No, the search, the search in the forums actually works. Unlike the old forums, uh, if you remember in the old forums, you couldn't really find anything. Uh, but the new forums, you can like, you know, narrow it down to a time of, you know, like recent or last year or whatever. And so it's got a proper search. I do commend them for that. So yeah, you could search any of these terms and you would find it. But he's got quite a list of links here. Maybe. Uh, well over a dozen, but like, uh, you know, the user manuals, the Commodore's garage, telemetry stuff. Yeah. People are posting stuff as well for them. And I even got people basically promoting their own product as well throughout the, throughout the thread. Now he's staff, right? So this probably gets sticky as well. Oh no, I'm looking, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong, uh, I'm thinking ahead and already getting ready for the next topic, but it should be sticky. Well, I haven't gone through the links yet, but um, I, I need to do that and see what we're missing. He should add on there like free third parties apps and software. You know, add that to the list. Right. Like, uh, like stinanalyzer.com. I was racing today with a guy who has that on the back of his car, and we were both talking about the app. So that topic that I was peeking at next is iRacing is hiring, which they seem to always be doing. But they're basically looking for another web developer, right? Um, that's also to, they're looking for somebody who's going to develop iRacing apps that can re react and redux uh, using, I guess that's code uh, for establishing code conventions. Um, they're also looking for collaborate. The, the duties include collaborating using Bitbucket, 
JIRA and Confluence, implement effective testing with just unit tests, improve existing code with and implementing best practices, build from UX design specs, collaborate with quality assurance, and evaluate and integrate emerging technologies. And quite a few of those words, I have no idea what they mean. It's definitely got to be code words or, or words about coding. Yeah, it's a senior uh, position, meaning they want lots of experience. Yeah, they got a list for required required qualifications and desired qualifications. So if anybody's interested, they're, it's in the forums under job openings. Definitely not an entry-level position. Five years experience on, on using that software. They prefer a, mat, a, a bachelor's degree, right? Doesn't say you need to move to Massachusetts, but it doesn't say you can't either. Just says you got to be located in the United States. That's probably so the time zones aren't just horrific, especially for group projects. Is something like this, pardon my ignorance, but can you work remotely on this? Uh, probably. Yeah, I would think so. So I wonder if this is a backfill position or if they need a new person to head up a department or, or something like that. Because it's for the web design, right? So, I mean, are they talking about the the membership member website or, or what? I think it's specifically for that, that app. Well, it also looks like it's specifically for the app that, that they've recently purchased. Okay. Well, that's a good sign that, you know, that app could be be a get more developed and and become more useful tool now i don't know if the react redux is actually the website or the app somebody might be able to send in and tell us on that all right brian tell us about chicago yeah so uh nascar announced that the street course in chicago is going to be a real thing they're going to be holding that event next uh july um and uh and yeah so uh any for and I, th I think um, Evan pointed this out in the in the show of the the coverage of the Coke race that you know it's pretty much the same track that iRacing uh, scanned and uh, brought into the service last year. So um, I, I haven't tried it, so I can't tell if it's the same one that's going to be uh, the new layout for the NASCAR series because because I because I like to enjoy myself when I race, so I didn't get that one. So um, but for anybody else who likes street circuits and uh, and uh, this and wants to wants to do the Chicago one, you know, I guess if you run an NIS, um, you're going to have to get it anyway because it's it's going to be a part of the season next year, right? That's right. So might as well get it because uh, yeah, we're going to be racing it. Well, I don't know. They do have what six drop weeks. Yeah, and at least at least if you're in the upper splits of oval, none of your road courses really end up being a factor because the strength of field is half at a road course uh, than it is at an oval. Uh, most of the time in ovals, I'm seeing between 3 and 4K. And then when I'm at the road, I'm seeing 1.6. And that affects how many points you get. Has this been a, confirmed as a points-paying race? I, I'm sure it is. 99% sure, but it's not an all-star event. It's points-paying, correct? Yeah. Yep. But all, all kidding aside, um, NASCAR and iRacing did a, this collaboration, and uh, you know it just goes again to show you how much NASCAR and iRacing are working together to uh, to um, you know NASCAR is basically using iRacing as a as a testing point for for uh, for bringing stuff to their series. You know they can they can uh, have iRacing do this stuff and minimize the cost of research and and uh, layouts and stuff like that, and before they even you know 
before they even get to the city that they're working on. You know, it's a uh, it's really cool how this this uh, collaboration has uh, has uh, come together between NASCAR and iRacing and iRacing and some of the other series as well. So we did we talk about the length and and format yet? No. Okay, it's a uh, two point two mile, twelve turn. So that's uh, it won't get as terribly spread out as say like road America does. And, you know, it's a fun course, but as far as for a spectator, one of the issues is just how far everything gets spread out there and how long cautions take. It could be lap traffic. Oh, yeah. Six. yeah. The thing about road court or these street courses is there's just no runoff area, you know, and that's what really jams these races up really bad. Um, you know, like long beaches, is okay and and it's and it's not too bad in some of the purpose um built road cars but um you know these stock cars are so hard to drive on road courses now you know when you don't have that um that ability to to for runoff space it's going to make it even harder they had an event yeah sorry they had an event there where in chicago the where for the announcement bubba wallace was there matt busa was there they had a couple of uh, uh, sim rigs set up there, and uh, you know Bubba and Matt were basically doing laps on the track, and they had the media and attendees, you know, kind of watching and everything. Uh, looked pretty cool. Well, Tony, we've t- we've seen it happen in the real racing, but now it's happening in iRacing. racing. What do we got about this tweet from Alfredo? Ooh. Uh, this uh, comes as a tweet from Anthony Alfredo. Uh, it's a video of <laughs> losing tires. And the video shows like just running down the straight. Now there's some damage to the car, but the tire just comes right off. It sure does. And I didn't know that our damage model included the tires coming off. Now, do we know what happens with that loose wheel? Can we hit it? Causing damage to ourselves, launching that tire somewhere. I want to know if he's going to lose his crew chief for four weeks. Unless it's on pit road and it only went a little bit, then, then you're okay. Call, yeah. call me a call me a skeptic, but I, I'm wondering if this video is not doctored, if it's not fake. Is it any any way to confirm that this actually happened? Well, he's taking Tony it Rochette. on a phone. Well, yeah, he's he's shooting it from a phone. You can tell, so it looks real enough. Um, but Tony Rochette. Uh, I think he said that he did some wrecking and was able to knock a tire off. Yeah, he's just taking a video of his monitor with his phone. So, as much as I hate it, like if a tire comes off and it does hit another car, I would kind of hope it would do damage. Although it would probably be me that the damn tire hit, and I would be like rage quitting like crazy. But, um, but immersion. Well, yeah. Well, before they come out with the whole damage model, like we were talking about this kind of thing happening, like, you know, this part's going to, you know, fly all over the track and we're going to hit it and get damage and it's going to cause issues. Yeah. I have seen a deck lid on the track or either a deck lid or a trunk. I mean, not a trunk, a hood one, one or two, one or two times that I posted a video recently of a, a major uh, pile up at, at Pocono that I just barely survived. Um, but I haven't seen a tire flying around yet. Is Anthony Alfredo running in Eric Almarol's scheme or does he just get this video from somewhere else? He's a spotter for you know, one of the Coke drivers. And this is not the driver that he spots, but it was, it is a driver in the Coke race. So this is from the, the Coke practice or something. 
So what do you do when you're a real life racer, but you're also trying to, to uh, keep your sim racing career going and you're traveling? You beg for a rig wherever you're traveling. Hey, yeah. anybody have a rig I can borrow? So we've talked about Roger Carruth getting his uh, his real life career starting to really take off a little bit for him, but he's still active in the sim as well. And he's going to be in the Pocono area and was wanting to borrow a rig for Road to Pro while he's testing at ARCA. Which was turned out to be kind of a stupid question because Sage Karam pointed out, well, guess what? Teammate, because they are teammates uh, in NASCAR. Guess what? Uh, I live in this area and I have a rig. Why don't you just ask me? I'm curious. Oops. Throughout the thread, you see a lot of people responding saying they have uh, various quality equipment in, in or about the area, but. I don't see him responding to any of them, so I'm curious on a follow-up on this if he actually went somewhere, raced on somebody's rig. Well, he's probably if Sage has one, he's probably set. But I mean, I could understand him not knowing. You don't know everything about your racing teammates, right? Sure, but unless I'm it, sure unless he it's Tony hooked up with Sage, we can tell you some stories about Tony, but he he likes to keep those secret. Yep, very private guy right here. Yeah, I would have guessed Sage lived around Indy somewhere like the rest of the Indy car guys. If I lived closer to Pocono, I would have I would have said he could come over and use my use my rig. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? All right, Brian, it's time for a report on Week Five of the Off Road Championship. Yeah, so uh, last night was Week Five of the iRacing Off Road Championship Series, uh, and uh, their their twin uh, feature races were won by um, Team ABR's Alex Bergeron and Factory Sim Sports Keaton Swain. So uh, they're the two winners of the uh, feature races there. Um, and uh, so the way they work this now, and I didn't, I didn't realize it until just now, um, those, they consider it round um, nine and 10, even though it's week five. So each of these two races that they have in the same week, same night are just considered two different rounds. So, um, Week five is actually round nine and round 10. So um, round nine was the one won by Alex Bergeron. Round 10 was uh, Keaton Swain. Um, Keaton Swain, with that uh, with that win, takes over the points championship uh, over Connor Barry by just three points. So uh, it's a real tight, tight points battle there. Um, Alex Bergeron's in seventh with his uh, finish there. Josh Edmondson is in third. So, uh, so they still have uh, they have six rounds left to go, which actually means three weeks uh, to go. So, um, the points race is really tight, and uh, and uh, we're going to have to keep an eye out who comes on top in this series, it's inaugural series, inaugural series, and uh, it's uh, it looks like it's going to be a, right down to the wire. Pretty cool. Donnie, what's next? Like, literally. Yeah, Anthony Alfredo sent out a tweet asking iRacers on Twitter to send a photo of what cars you think need to be scanned and added to the service. So going through his thread, he starts with, um, looks like the Dale Jr., the 2000 Monte Carlo, which I would think would be similar to what we have in ARCA right now. But his second post in the thread is, uh, looks like the Goody Dash cars, which I think would be a lot of fun. So what would you guys pick? I um I can't believe I didn't see anybody post uh, the cars from Days of Thunder. I thought that would for sure you'd see Cool Trick or somebody like that out there. At the bottom, you do get somebody. There's a Ricky Rudd and 
and um, Dale Earnhardt photo with the old Lumina. Looks like late eighties, possibly nineteen ninety. I'm thinking of the Model T, right? That we watched try to go up and down. Was it Nurburgring? Maybe a modern street stock. I guess they still run that in some areas, but there's a lot more modern of a street stock out there they can add. Remember the old Crown Royal IROC series? Yeah, somebody suggested that. Would you guys want IROC or SRX first? Ooh, SRX would be pretty cool. They'd have to get some of those tracks scanned, though, uh, that they run. The Slinger, I know, is a real popular one in that series. What about the original NASCARs? Back when they ran the Daytona Beach, you know, the old Hudson Hornet, you know? That would be an absolute trip. I wonder if they could actually make that as a fantasy track as well. That's what I was just thinking, man, let's race on the beach. You know, half of it's on the the road and half of it's on the sand. I bet there's enough photos and footage out there they can make it happen. Oh, I'm sure they still got the cars around. Actually surprised now that you guys say it. I'm surprised we don't have the old Daytona course on the service. How do you model the ocean and the waves? Yeah. That would definitely put a strain on the uh, video, right? Would they have the tide show correctly? You might you might need a 3090 Ti to actually work to be able to, to run that. Not in VR. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> well, um. We're teasing a, a future topic. But another thing that's coming in the future is a scheduled downtime, Tony. Oh, yeah. This is for uh, Season 3, Patch 3. Um, iRacing will be uh, doing that Monday, July 25th at 9 a.m. So that would be a good time to do some test driving. Do we know yeah. what's... Uh, do we get, like, release notes on the patch? Well, the primary well, thing the is going to be the indie, indie road track, right? Yeah, it shows you the rescanned indie road course update. And if you look at the link, they have a picture of it. What's different from the old track to the new track? I always get a kick out of, I think it might be Reddit, but usually there's always a complainer during uh, patch time. But people just have to understand that maintenance is going to happen, and usually it's scheduled. Usually we know in advance when it's going to happen, but you'll still get the complainers. Okay, so here's what it says. I do like the fact that we're coming off when we're coming off the oval section. It's not in the the first time. It's not that that insane hairpin. This update is a new configuration of the existing track. The old layout will still be available and will be free to current track owners. While not included in this mid-season update, we do plan to release the remaining rescan configurations at a later date. And they they are going to update all the series to take the new track. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that that actually might not be as bad of a track to drive if you look at it. It just doesn't look as technical. Well, they got rid of those sharp uh, roundabouts. If you if you look, they point out the new turn five and six chicane. Uh, that's really much faster than it looks like it was before. And then there's the faster seven, eight, nine complex as well. That's been flattened out and is a lot faster. And then the updated final complex has also been flattened out. Yeah, I was talking about where it used to have that hairpin. And the, the turn five, six chicane didn't used to be a chicane. It actually used to be a another little kind of almost carousel type turn. Now, turn five and six chicane, that's where the, those turtle launching pads are. So I'm curious if we get those. 
Well, this will be a much nicer to drive in the in the stock cars. So, so we get the car. Do we race Indy next week? Okay, so we get the track Monday, and our Wednesday night we race NIS. That's not a lot of time to prepare. I guess uh, I'm assuming Monday night, David, you'll probably do an NIS, or Tuesday night, you'll do an A open. I mean. Mm, I have Arkansas Bandmasters Association next week. I'm leaving on Wednesday. So I, there's a pretty good chance I might just say F and D completely. <laughs> right. Sunday morning. Um, maybe. I might be back by then. The ABA, ABA ends on Saturday afternoon. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, as far as adjustments, it's not going to be the same as getting ready for one of the, one of the oval tracks where we kind of figure out what we have to tweak. You just take it and and it takes practice and I, I think it's kind of funny that you said not a whole lot of time to prepare you'll have your five minutes i think he's been practicing more lately i don't know i do a few laps the night before just by myself but we'll never lose the joke it's it's one of the best long-running jokes we'll ever have unfazed what isn't a joke though is racing etiquette and i'm i'm sure mike you've given this video a good watch anything dave cam puts out is really good I I really enjoy his channel. I got to say, I mean, I watch a lot of sim racing stuff on YouTube. I really do. And I don't know. It's just a pleasure to listen to him. Uh, he usually has good topics that are insightful. And uh, he gave us five things for better etiquette. And so we'll break them down. The first one is outlappings, which means when you come out and you're going around to take your first lap in a, practice type situation you need to make sure to stay out of the way of the cars that are already on track basically don't mess up their hot lap don't be in the racing line um watch those mirrors um, make sure you're out of the way second flashing headlights basically he says don't do it um, there's a few different scenarios where you should do this but it's rare uh, this is probably the most overused thing in road racing today, according to Dave. One one of the things he mentioned where it's okay is like in multi-class racing. You if you're in an LMP car and you're coming up on a GT, it's it's a really good way to let them know you're coming in at high speed, and that's that's per perfectly acceptable. But um, he he was just talking about general use of flashing headlights to let somebody know you're not happy about them. And all he says is all that does is make the person you're flashing get more angry and, and less likely to work with you. Um, and, um, you know, so that's that's what he was talking about with those things. Um, now, um, and I know you guys were talking earlier about using the um, the fingers coming out of the NASCAR cars. I guess that would have the same effect as the flashing lights in road racing. But uh, it, so... Uh, so even though it would be funny to have the, that uh, that uh, that ability to stick your hand out the window, I don't know if it's a it would be proper etiquette. Other and, etiquette is rejoins after accidents. Make sure you don't pull up into the racing line or the track in front of people. And that's actually protestable. I mean, they're not going to do a whole lot about it unless you're making habits of it all the time. But so many times, somebody just backs right across the track when when you're coming full speed, and it's a uh, it's infuriating. And that's one of those things is not certainly not restricted to road racing. That happens a lot in ovals. Well, you know, you got to also understand the driver's point of view when you get spun 
or wrecked, you're like out of breath. You're like, and your instinct is, I got to get this car turned and get it going right again. I mean, it's very instinctual to do that. And so without even thinking, most people just start the car, they'll throw it in gear and they'll, they'll go. But you, but what Dave is saying, man, take a moment and realize you, you can't pull out in the track, take your time, go slow, get the thing rolling a little bit on the grass before you, you get onto the pavement and so forth. Like you have to train yourself, I guess, not, not to do it. And I guess I've been on the wrong side of it enough that I just know, um, I guess a couple of weeks ago, I spun out on coal tires, I think in an LMP one. And basically I had to sit there until the entire GT three field was, or GTE field was by, cause it was just not safe for me to get on the track. Right. So you, you just have to do that. It's just, if you don't, um, you really should get off the track and, yeah, and your relative box is probably your number one tool, obviously your mirrors, but the relative box will help you out a lot. Well, in this particular case, I was turned backwards and could easily see them all coming. But yeah, relative box, or if you're in VR, you can also turn your head and just take a look for the gap. Jealous of the VR. As long as you're not on a 3090 Ti. I'm going to drop that in as really? many times as I can today, yeah. Number four, common courtesy, like please and thank you and... You're welcome. You know, show some common courtesy to your drivers out there. Um, you know, that's basically what he's saying. Uh, you know, there's some courtesy in oval racing where if somebody, you know, gives you a spot, it's almost a courtesy to key up your microphone, but not saying, but you don't have to say anything. But this, the fact that you keyed up after you let the guy that, you know, the guy let you buy is a way of saying, Hey, thanks. I get myself in trouble every once in a while because I key up too soon and I screw up my exit of the corner. So I have to train, my, retrain myself to, to wait to thank you until I'm back on a straight. Yeah. Number five here, I, uh, giving up your position. I do this a lot, uh, especially with the impatient guys knowing that they're probably going to burn their tires up and you get a chance to get around them later. But, um, if I feel uncomfortable around you, I'm not going to battle you. Just go, go about your way, and hopefully, I can catch you later. And and hope they reciprocate your uh, your your courtesy from before, which rarely happens. Yeah, they they won't. <laughs> they won't. Hopefully, they crash. Who knows? I try to do this, but I get really. I've been really irritated at Pocono with these guys that think if they break later than you when you've already started your turn that they deserve the corner and they can just dive bomb the crap out of you uh it's pretty irritating uh you know and early on i'll try to watch for it and anticipate and get out of the way but uh er, last night in nis i went ahead and defended because i knew a guy was going to try to dive bomb and, and then he just ran he just tried to drive right through me turn one's really bad for that at this track and uh if anybody's going up the inside of the tunnel turn just give it to them they're not going to make it out the other end and when Dave was talking about this, he 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 mentioned specifically um, if you spin somebody or take their position um, by means that are not uh, quite kosher, you know, you knock somebody out of the way. He would he uh, is he he's suggesting you know to give that position back if you did not pass them or you or you spun them uh, trying to get by. In his video, yeah, he waited a long while to let that position go by. So yeah, he's pretty gracious. Exactly. Yeah, he could have kept going and, and, and been fine, uh, but he, he he basically waited till that guy collected himself off the uh, infield and get back on the track and, and let him go in front of him. 
Yeah, I did the same thing last week. If you remember, I was in the F2000 race and I, I, I was in a good battle with a guy and I, I, I didn't pass him cleanly. And so it was the last lap. And so I ended up pulling aside and letting him get the position back. But Dave's right. I mean, that's, you know, you want to have a reputation. You know, we, we talked about the Coke race and the way that Casey Ker Kerwin won that race. And I mean, it was a dirty a little bit, um, but you know, that's kind of the way NASCAR is right now. But now he has that reputation that he might be, you know, drive like that. And I don't want that. So, you know, like Dave Cam, I gave the position back because I didn't feel like I earned it. Yeah, but if, if you want to hear um, someone give uh, tips on etiquette, it's it's nice to have somebody with a, you know, soothing voice with a British accent. It kind of works real well with that. So you're saying a British accent basically automatically believable, right? Yeah, well, it, yeah, it makes you sound smart, at least. I don't know if it's believable. Unless you're part of the empire. But we're Americans, so um, I've reconsidered. I want, I'm mapping all of my buttons to the middle finger button. Every single button's going to be middle finger. I don't remember who it was, but there is actually somebody in the NIS series that has, has it keyed up where it says, quote, middle finger out the window in the text. All right. looks like the next topic we've got is actually kind of talking about something we've been talking about a lot lately, which is careers in sim racing. Uh, have you looked this one over, Tony? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, this is a pretty long article. Um, and it was more to do with uh, Gran Turismo and some of the uh, the upper echelon of the Gran Turismo world, um, like the e-racers. And they're saying that, like... Uh, they're not too sure if they really want to be actually some of them have quit because yeah, there's, there's nothing for them. Um, there's, there's no big payout. There's no, there's no real prizes. Um, they say that the, like, you know, the, the best that they get is, um, you know, getting put up in a hotel and kind of pampered for the weekend while they're out there doing their racing. But you know, that's lagging behind pretty much every other type of esports these days. Um, so I don't know like, <laughs> if Gran Turismo doesn't, um, you know, offer these guys a little bit more, like it's, it's almost a full-time job to, to be able to compete at the highest levels within each of these things there. Um, they're not going to have anything. Uh, they're, they're, um, you know, like their e-sport is just going to fizzle out because why, why would they spend the time if they're, you know, a nice hotel for the weekend's cool, but not not when you're you know putting in you know forty fifty hours of practice um, on a weekly basis to to be able to to make it there. So does the software developer of Gran Turismo do they actually manage these series, or is it something that's kind of thrown together independently? Uh, well, I think it's the game owner. You know, Sony is involved. I think you know playstation but Poly, anyway i think it's like polytechnics does Gran yeah turismo. that's the company yeah is grand turismo a sim compared to iRacing? Uh, i feel like it's yeah. more of an arcade i don't know yeah i get hate for that but but they do have a big following and you know if it's still like if you're gonna put on these big events um you know and uh some of the racers had you know spoke up about it and um you know not quoting anybody, but basically just told to like, you know, shut up and be happy that, you know, we're, we're putting you up in a hotel and, and, you know, kind of pampering you for a weekend. There was another quote where, Hey, I won. And we were standing on the podium and 
you know, they handed me like a trophy or a, I think he said it was a Thrustmaster wheel was the trophy. And then when the cameras turned off, they literally took it away from him and said, oh, no, this is somebody else won this. You don't win anything. Thank you. Yes, that's right. Um, within that specific tournament, um, th you know, the driver was matched up with an influencer. And that's where the that's where the prize uh, wheel went to was to the influencer, not to the actual eraser. So they weren't happy. They were trying to, you know, I think they had grand illusions were given grand illusions of this could turn into something bigger. You know, this could be an entry level to actual motorsports. And, and it turned out it really isn't that way. They're not actually making any money at all. Uh, when, t when the drivers tried to talk to them, hey, there's a lot of money going around. You know, maybe you can slice off a little bit for us. They wouldn't hear it. They weren't hearing it. And so they did go on uh, the author of the article to say, uh, to quote um, Keegan Leahy, um, referring to trying to make a living doing eye racing. And uh, they had a quote from Leahy. Um, and what it was is where one fan asked him about his parents' reaction when they learned he could turn sim racing into a career. Leahy's response describes a scenario that doesn't seem feasible in Gran Turismo. He said, quote, it was a really slow buildup because it was really did happen quite slowly. The prize pools kept going up, sponsor interest picked up, teams started paying, etc. The one single moment I could think of would be when I quit the warehouse job I was doing during the university to do driver coaching and content creation with virtual racing school. Yeah. So he's got, you know, whatever he does with 2311 with the Coke series, but you know, he builds sets for, for VRS. He puts on uh, tutorial videos each week. So iRacing seems to have a good model going and you have to earn your way through it. So with a lot of these other series, will mix it up. We do have our all-star series where they'll bring the influencers in, but our, our championship series are, you can, anybody can do it. You just got to work your way through the process. And even with the uh, large prize pools that we have in the Coke series, there is a, there is a burnout factor, especially if you're not hitting the top tier and getting the big prize pools. Yeah. Some of those teenagers are retiring going to school. So one more thing the article kind of goes into is the money differences between other esports and sim racing as an esport. And it seems like we're not even close. I mean, when you compare it to all these other, you know, tournaments that happen with other games, I mean, what are what are we missing there um to get us to that next level? Well, what are the ratings? Are those things bringing in that many more viewers i don't know but the money comes from somewhere i think a lot has to do with the console aspect because you got a lot of people on console compared to um, uh sim racing on a computer that's right donnie i think that's what it is it's um it's the advertisement that that goes along with it because you're you're so many more people are, are uh customers of consoles than they are of like iRacing. But that, I don't want that to change for us. I want to keep it. I know iRacing's got their their console games coming out, not for iRacing, but for other titles. But I don't know, maybe this won't get as big as those uh, console type tournaments. Yeah, I've actually seen some console tournaments on ESPN. So, how about maybe it, it doesn't need a ton of money, but maybe it needs 
you know, so the Gran Turismo article talked about they had FIA certification or whatever. So what if, you know, NASCAR, you know, stamps their approval on the Coke series even more by offering up a prize of, hey, the the champion this year is going to get a truck ride full time. You know, like they do for drive to diversity, you know, like they're doing for Raja Karuth. They basically put him on a path, you know, that he's going to make it to the Cup Series. They, you know, NASCAR could put it together where they could do that for the Coke champion. And, and, and I think that would maybe take it to the next level, maybe get NASCAR fans more invested in the series. Maybe, but um, they did this with the Skip Barber ride, right? Remember that prize? However, yeah. think about the prize pool right now. It's 300000 You cannot run even a truck ride for 300000 that's less than a race a week. Right? Yeah, it's just—it's way too. That's you're talking, you're talking an order of magnitude or two more money to fund a ride compared to just having a prize pool. Yeah, NASCAR would have to fund it. Roger's seeing success not just because of his talent, but he's he's got sponsors now, right? Um, and that that's the case just about. With almost any driver, the, the the best talent can still rise to the top, but they usually get sponsors as well. That's usually if they can bring money with them. Uh, well, that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, the Drive to Diversity program is is complex because it's got a team rev racing that specifically, you know, grooms these drivers. Um, you know, it took them a while to get that team in place and identified, and and then the sponsorship that goes along with it. Um, and so forth. So that's what I'm saying is, you know, we just do some, the same thing with sim racing. You know, we already have, you know, so much crossover too from the Coke series to Xfinity and trucks. I mean, we got Caden Honeycutt in a truck this weekend. Uh, he was just in the Coke race. Uh, you got, you know, Parker Retzclaff in the Xfinity uh, uh, race as well. Yeah, it'll take time. They've been doing console tournaments for over a decade now with popularity and Really, um, iRacing has been a part of the mainstream, or if it's mainstream since 2020, I would say. I mean, I've heard about it for a long time, but not a lot of people have heard about it as much as they do now. So maybe time will tell. We could get some momentum and start building. All right, we can put a bow on the topic section with uh, the events, and we've just got one on the schedule this week. And it is the Spa 24. I already mentioned I'm set to run with Chris Cross on this one. Um, it's sponsored by Huskinville. And I think we've covered most of the time slots. It's G3 cars. It's a spa. It's got the same four time slots that we've, have kind of come standard now with iRacing. Since I'm racing with a bunch of Aussies that live in Perth, uh, we're starting late Friday night. In fact, I have to run at 2 a.m. in the morning on Friday. Uh, 60 minutes registration instead of 30. You got to have that D4.0. Uh, I do, what I do want to talk about, though, the non-standard stuff is they did put out the uh, balance of power stats. And uh, yeah. where did I, I lost track of it? I had it pulled up, and now I lost track of it. And what they did is, unusually, they applied the same balance of power to the weekly spa events or the daily spa events that are happening this week before the 24 hour race, which usually they don't do. They don't match up the BOPs, but they did in this, this week. Well, that's interesting um, because only one of the cars I'm looking at them now, only one of the cars actually has a weight penalty and that's the Mercedes and our tester 
No, I'm sorry. There's two. Our, our guy that tested every car still considers it overpowered because um, that's the one we're going to run. Uh, two of two of the cars have weight penalties: Mercedes and the Porsche. Then all the other changes are the one percent fuel. I can see the weight penalty being helpful to know when you're running in the uh, in the class. But like at first, they told us we were running the McLaren. I was turning 18s. I jumped in the Mercedes and was turning 16s. So, so that was a topic brought up in the forums not too long ago that the new car is, seems to be faster for people. I don't know if they're turning something up and down for a new car's release to get people to potentially get interested in it, but do you, do you ever notice that? Well, balance, there's a lot of things that go into the balance of the factor. In sports cars, certain cars will be better at certain tracks. So when you got these special events, they'll try to balance that out. When you're setting up for a whole series, that's a whole different story. Um, and there's just something about the Mercedes that makes it particularly good at spa. I don't know if it's the top speed specifically. What I noticed if, between the McLaren and the, and the Mercedes, when I was running them is the shift points I was running. I don't know if it's just the sound or not, but it, but I, I had to shift a little bit later in the Mercedes. So I think it was just being in the power band a lot longer, whereas I was getting to the top of the gears in the McLaren, but it's definitely fast. Now I like that idea of putting the balance of power in the sprint series. Cause everybody goes there to get practice on it, right? Practice running races is always better practice than, than just turning laps. But I don't know if the fuel change, a lot of the cars have a 1% fuel reduction. I don't know if the fuel change would really affect a sprint race other than you have to so, spend a little bit more time in pit. The balance of power discussion in the forums is quite lively. Uh, there's several different differing opinions about how balanced it may or may not be. Uh, but I agree with Donnie. I've, I've seen multiple cases where people are saying, Hey, whatever the newest car out is, that's the one to pick because it's going to be faster. Well, even so, they're they're putting twelve kilograms on the Mercedes, and and I think I guess the nine eleven is the second most recent, right? Or was that one? That one was put out after the Lamborghini, right? I I don't remember. That's an interesting theory, and um, I don't know. I would have to see more data, but it it seems like there's some anecdotal evidence for it. Yeah, I don't know if there's a way to test it. I mean, going back in time, but um, you know, maybe going forward. There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Simcoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. Podcast housekeeping notes. Leave us a review of your favorite on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for listeners to find the podcast. Mention us to your fellow drivers during your race so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. We are on Discord. We are on iRacersLounge.com. We are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. 
All right, totally. Let's dive into fantasy. I didn't forget this week. <laughs> yeah, whole New Hampshire, and uh, well, it looks like a couple of us, you know, made a made a little bit of a showing. Uh, Tyler, he he uh, got himself in second place for the week. Um, Stephen Lou Allen was fifth, and Bobby Jonas is in eighth, and I think the rest of us. Um, well, we were doing something else. It sure wasn't uh, fantasy racing. I, I finished my normal about 35th. Yeah, I know. I was, I think I was, I was hanging back there with you somewhere about that. That's, that's about my normal for this season as well. Well, you're all doing better than me. Well, do you, I don't, you don't follow along, do you? No, I, I've never liked fantasy sports, especially when it started in baseball and football. So I just have never joined in. Missing out. So yeah. Greg was 19th for the week. Yeah, I'm right behind Bobby there in nine. I uh, took Truex. Obviously, he didn't pan out there. But you're right on the fantasy sports. It killed my, uh, I can't do them for stick and ball sports. I can't root for something I shouldn't be rooting for. But that's a little different, I guess. I... Yeah, Donnie, sorry. I didn't even uh, I didn't see you sitting there in, in ninth spot there. Uh, oh, you're, you're fine. I am more tempted particularly because of all the teammates doing it. But also there's, there's just it, as much of a team sport. As it is, it's a very, still very driver centric, right? Um, I've never liked fantasy football because football is a team sport. And then you're taking one receiver from this team and one quarterback from that team. And it, I just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I had three Toyotas, I think this week and that's uh, yeah. but I didn't pick the right Toyota. <laughs> So louder racing is still the point leader. Greg has fallen from second to fourth in points. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big drop. Um, I mean, like the you know the point spread isn't all that that great, but uh, just goes to show you like how that how close that top five is, um, which is you know awesome being able to see the you know the the, the weekly changes. So like you got to be right on your game and. Man, oh man, for these, uh, you know, these five guys fighting for this top spot, I sure hope they've uh, they were able to save a little something, something for the last uh, last few races. So, is it basically two seasons with the points completely resetting at the playoffs? That's how somebody described it last week. Yeah, it's it's kind of how it goes. <laughs> Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right. We've been dropping hints at it left and right. I've, I've made references to it multiple times. I spoke last week about ordering my 39 Ti that I got a really good deal on, even though it was still a lot of money. I got it in on Monday instead of Tuesday. Installed it. Everything seemed to be working great. great. And then I went to open Steam VR, and it said headset not detected. And then Windows Mixed Reality said error 1-4. Uh, something is wrong with your cable. And I start chiming in on chat, and uh, Bobby, he's kind of our tech support troubleshooter guy. He's like, well, did you try this? Did you try that? Uh, maybe it's a driver. Maybe maybe you need to unplug it. Maybe you need to take it out and put it back in completely, take the card back out. Well, I go. I finally go ahead and go Google 3090 Ti VR doesn't work. And there's a whole Reddit thread and a whole uh, EVGA support or forum thread that basically the 3090 Ti 
on for, through different vendors, not just EVGA, but all the 39 TI cards of anybody that runs GeForce is broken for not just the HPV Verb, but also the Oculus Rift S and the Pimax. It's not working for anybody. Whereas the 3090 and everything else works. So before you tell us uh, what happened next, I mean, I was thinking it was DHCP copyright stuff, but it, it it's not that, is it? It's something else. And and then the other thing, David, was we found a, a cable, like an early version of the cable for your VR that would be a workaround, but you decided not to try that. No, I'd have to order one. And those, even the, the cable one, there was one available, I think, on eBay for a hundred bucks. I'm not going to turn around and do that. Um, so no, I didn't want to go that route though. Somebody is saying that it's working with their, their V1 cable, which is kind of odd. I asked Tony if he happened to have one, but he got, he got the V2 right off the bat as well. It's still sitting out here. I was considering sending it back, but I went back and double checked the Reddit thread. They're starting to rumor that, that NVIDIA has a fix, but hasn't released it yet. And after the NIS race, I sat on tech support, got a hold of a guy with nvidia and he said they know about the issue and they're working on it and they put me on a mailing list to send me regular updates so right now unless it starts to really draw out i think i'm gonna i'm gonna let it sit there i put the 2080 back in but i'm gonna i'm gonna let it sit there and wait to see if they get the issue fixed and you bought that on amazon right i did okay so you have time you have why would time yeah i was gonna say why don't you just send it back and just get the regular 3090 because it seems like that works just fine because I got such a good deal, I feel like if I drop back down, even even with the price just a little bit cheaper, yeah. And then there's all the effort and hassle and time. So I don't know, but I'm, they get a week or two really before I send it back. Yeah. Do you think they're going to fix it before you send it back? Uh, that's a good question. I will find out in a week or two. I doubt they're going to get something figured out that quick. I mean, they've known about this uh, issue for quite a while. Yeah, it's it's been being reported for as much as four months. Exactly. But there over that time there was a lot of back and forth, like, is it HP or is it NVIDIA? Um, for some reason either a I don't remember if it was HP or Oculus. Took it took them like three months. No, it wasn't one of them. It was one of the card producers. It took them three months to get a hold of an HP reverb with a V two cable. Um, I'm like that we can get that in two days. I don't understand what would take them so long to get something to, for the testing purposes. Um, that may have been NVIDIA. I don't remember if that was NVIDIA or one of the specific manufacturers, but, uh, we'll see. I'm a little skeptical, but I can sit on it for a week or two and not lose the refund. So I probably, probably still going to go that route because for the most part, it still runs okay with the 2080. Or you could just get triples and call it a day. Uh, I, you'll never get me to go to triples. It just, it will not happen. Um, I absolutely love just, I, I love the VR and I love being able to turn my head when I'm spun out so I can make sure I don't pull out in front of somebody. Uh, and I also don't have room for triples where I am. If, if I, I would really have to change apartments if I wanted to throw up a triple monitor. So Mike, the next thing we were talking about as we continue into the hardware topics is the Razer steam controller. Yeah, so um, Razer is going to go head-to-head with the Elgato Stream Deck uh, with the new launch of their new Stream Controller. It's $269.99, uh, 
touchscreen device is designed to sit on a desk alongside a keyboard and allow content creators or anyone really to quickly launch shortcuts and control hardware and software on a PC. So you got a touchscreen with maybe a dozen, uh, you know, square button, you know, buttons that you can put push. But then he's got knobs on either side, three on either side for a total of six. And then some hard buttons along the bottom, like about eight of them. So um, it sits at an angle. I'm not sure if it's mountable. Yeah, I'm guessing those Any- knobs are probably for managing volume levels. I know that uh, I, watch, I still watch Derek and Natalie a lot, and they've actually got some software now that they use where they can control their mic levels. Their, their Sure mics are actually running through XLR instead of USB. So I'm, I'm guessing that's what the knobs are going to do. Anything is mounted. <laughs> this looks pretty cool. Uh, I, I like it. It's coming in what right about the same price point, pretty close to the uh, Elgato. And you got more options, right? Like I imagine, like you can program those rotaries for whatever you want to use them for. Um, Being as I'm using VR, I would almost have to be stuck with using the buttons because I can't see the screen. It's on Triples. pre-order already, and it will ship in the fall. Now, I like it because I have a Razer keyboard, and this would match up with that pretty cool. Um, Bobby Jonas, our teammate, is very high on these uh, on these type of controller button boxes. I think he has a few of them. Well, we got a motion rig, so guess who gets to talk about that first? Hey guys, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. Brian points to somebody else, and what's funny <laughs> if you point, if you point to the left, my le- the person on my left is not the same person as that's on your left. Right. Everybody's in different yeah, order. That's true. So I that's pointed at Tony just for the record. <laughs> well, for for me, you pointed at Mike's stream. So so the stream uh, is going to talk. It's suddenly going to become a, one of those sentient AIs, and and uh, it's going to take over the world. All from my right. stream. Yeah, tell us about the NJ Motion. Yeah, this was a um, online uh, YouTube video review from Dan Suzuki, who uh, reviewed the NJ Motion Compact R seat mover. Um, so, uh, as a, as compared to like a lot of the um, uh, platform type of uh, motion. Uh, motion systems um this is actually just your seat sits directly on top of this and it moves it forward backwards left and right and all those uh combinations uh with within the sim um dan's review was uh first of all he he said that it was very quiet um which was good so uh the noise level was very manageable um and he could uh turn it up to the max and it still was still wasn't too loud so um the noise was good he was really happy with um how 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 quick it was responded to uh what was happening in the sim um you know, there's always going to be a, a slight delay. Even the top top of the line stuff has a slight delay to it. But uh, he was happy that the delay was uh, very minimal and, and uh, the effects were good. And uh, watching his videos, you know, it, it looked pretty cool. Um, you could see like uh, as he's like pulling out of the pits, you know, the, sh- the chair is uh, like kind of giving him a little jolt as he's uh, going through the gears. Um, as he's uh, as he's turning, you know, it gives a it gives a nice lean to it as you're uh, going into the turns. So he was uh, pretty happy with it, and, and it looked looked like a lot of fun from what I was watching. I think the biggest surprise from the video for me was him telling us that 
the seat moving when everything else is not moving, like the steering wheel and the pedals, is not offsetting. It's and your very natural. Too. Yeah, it, the screens are static. So yeah, in his setup, this the seat moves and nothing else moves. And and he right. was saying that it's not offsetting. It's it's actually feels natural. Uh, he didn't feel like he was at a disadvantage because of it or anything like that. And I've always been a little bit offset with those. This, when the when everything isn't moving, I, I I'm just worried about that. Is that going to feel right? But uh, according to Suzuki, um, who who indicated he also has had uh, experience on other motion systems like a four post, uh, four corner D D box style motion. Um, he actually said he prefers the seat mover over uh, something of that degree. Well, can't you also put in the graphic settings of inertia where if your monitors are stand stable, where, where it actually shakes the car more? Yeah, I do that already on mine. So I'm looking at their site and 2,350 euros. So whatever that computes to. So uh, it's actually, I don't know. Uh, the exchange rate is almost identical right now. So it's $2,350. I think it's $1 difference. I don't think I hate the price compared to spending eight to 10 grand on the, the four posts on the actuators. Um, and I almost like the idea of it being separate, maybe less wear and tear on other components to your system. Well, I don't know how easy it would be to convert a regular cockpit to this. Build your own. You're going to have to build this as a, a build a cockpit around it almost because the exactly. seat will sit on this thing and it looks like it's eight inches high or something. So you got to you got to accommodate for those eight inches somewhere. Right. If if you if you're currently running like a profile um, aluminum system, eighty twenty or whatever, you know this is not going to mount directly to that. It would it would raise you up so high. high. Yeah, it would raise you up so high. Your steering wheel would be in your lap. Um, so you'd almost if you had like a if you did have a profile system like that, you'd almost have to take all the bars out and sit on sit the unit on the floor around the around the rig instead of attaching it to the eighty twenty like you would normally do with a seat. Now yeah, so does it not even move the wheel? Sorry, sorry Dave. Does it not even move the wheel base? No, it's just the seat. No, no, it's just the seat. It's the only thing that moves. So yeah, I'm looking so at as this you're as you're steering, the steering wheel stays in the same place as your seat's moving around it, which again I, I thought would be kind of um, kind of weird. But um, Dan said he didn't really notice that much of a difference. Yeah, it doesn't even look like you can mount it to a rig; it just sits flush on whatever surface you're on. Exactly. Which are you? Is your motion? Now, do you run your rig upstairs or downstairs? Concrete floor. Concrete floor. I'm I'm in the basement. I was relegated to there. I would love a basement. No, I'm not, my upstairs in a two-story house with a wood subfloor here, so I don't know how much motion I can get away with. You should see it in the winter. He has to race in a ski suit. Yes, it's freezing. Donnie, to see how a butt kicker uh, sounds first before you move to motion. Yeah, I'll have to start with that. Uh, I'm curious if I'll even be able to run a butt kicker up here. Well, um, uh, my rig was upstairs, and the first thing I got was a, a butt kicker, and that's when I was told to go into the basement. So, Yeah, pretty much. I've been moved three times in this house. So now I just keep quiet because I'm in my own little room. Nobody tells me to move. Hashtag solo life. 
All right. This next one has to go to Mike because I want to hear him slaughter this name. Yes, it's the Ortombo Technology is Turkey's leading manufacturer and supplier of simulation, esports, racing, and flight equipment. They've been serving the industry since 2014. They are the Turkey distributor for Placey, Next Level Racing, Virtuous Omni, Butt Kicker, Face Tech Racing Cube Brands. We, we produce both cockpits and seats locally. We continue to lead the industry with innovations as a leading brand in the, in the sector in our country, especially with our world-class products and racing equipment. So this is just kind of a company review. that We found these guys based out of Turkey. They have some interesting cockpits. Uh, what do you think of the design when you guys take a look at the website? The website is terrible. <laughs> you got to hit the English version at the top. Oh, yeah. It just looks like, you know, the website looks like it's, you know, 10 or 15 years old just a just a layout that's just silly uh stuff though so yeah they got cockpits that are kind of modeled after other cockpits that you've seen before but they have their name uh their brand name on it you know the seat as well it looks like a sparko but obviously it says ortombo on it they have one with a rally wheel on the back side of it that almost looks like a motorcycle wheel I Wheel saw and that. Tire. And the, but when you click on it, Donnie, I was like, man, does the Formula One tire come with the cockpit? I mean, it almost looks like it does the way they present it. But when you look at the other pictures, you realize, you know what? They just put the wheel there for show. Well, where they placed it in the photo looks like it's a part of the cockpit. Well, it's got the same color, you know, scheme with the yellow on the side of the rubber and and they have yellow trim on their black cockpit. So, yeah, it looks pretty slick. Yeah, some of their stuff looks good here. Well, this is all just next level. Most of these rigs are just next level rigs, just with the uh, Ortombo, um, you know. Trademark. You think it's a copy, or you think they're buying them and rebranding them? No, I think they're, well, because they, um, like, it, in, in the write-up to this there, they said, like, they're the, you know, the, the distributor for next level racing. So I imagine they've got like something going on with them, uh, you know, to put their name on, uh, you know, to, to brand it so they can, you know, have their name going all over the, the cockpit as long as well with next level racing. I'm sure it's on there. We just can't see it all that well. So it's like when you buy a car at a dealership, you don't just get the, the car, you have the dealership name on a nameplate as well. That's kind of how I'm seeing it. Yeah. All right, the next one's kind of a quick hit. I'll 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 hit this one off the off out of the way real quick because Mike always loves to bring this one back up. iRacer Assistant is the app that will open all third party iRacing apps automatically. And I guess this was recently asked by a by a iRacing person, JCC. Watch the app that will open all third party apps automatically when open when you open iRacing. And Mike Ellis replies, iRacer Assistant, and we include the links both to the Discord and the forum iRacing post. Great software. I can't recommend it enough. Um, if you run anything, you know, at all third party, uh, it's it's a great way to launch everything with one click. I mean, I, I fire up the computer, I open the software, I hit launch, and I walk away, and I come back, and like everything's ready to go. All right, this next one, Brian. This is almost the perfect iRacing name if you actually look at the, the the listener but he's actually a listener on our discord channel and he asked the question to triple or not to triple 
Yeah, it's from Nikki Bobby, and uh, yeah, he, he reached out to us in this Discord channel. He's using a uh, his rig's a Tracker TR8 Pro rig, and he's wondering should he use a single 49-inch um, ultra-wide uh, curved monitor or three 40-inch TVs on a Tracker on his Tracker TR8 Pro rig. So. Um, what do you guys think? I know Mike's a big fan of the triples. Um, now he's he's talking about. Uh, he says he's going to use TV uh, TVs as the triples, forty inch TVs, not uh, not uh, computer monitors. Um, so that's one thing to consider as compared to a, an ultra wide actual computer monitor. So obviously there's going to be some resolution um, um, differences and lag. some uh, yeah some lag, some differences in that, and some differences in um, frame rates that that uh, monitors can do that uh tvs can't do so uh, i would i would be leaning towards the ultra wide myself if i was him um what do you guys think isn't the 40 a little oversized as well for triples 40 is yeah. a big tv for triples that's going to be a lot of space it'd be pretty cool though but i think we're missing the fact that he's got a busted play seat in the picture yeah i've been staring at that and i don't know what's going on it looks like it wrecked went upside down Maybe well, he, said, he says, so something terrible happened. And he shows a picture of his rig basically knocked over. You can see the cables are all pulled taut. And there's like garbage on the floor. It looks like maybe a woman got angry. I don't know. No, that's that's like one of those um, uh, entry level. Right. Yeah, play seats, and it's just folded. <laughs> um, oh, I see. Not not the right way. Um, so basically, what Placey did was do him a favor to, to kind of push him and force him into getting, um, you know, a decent rig. He'll be happy with his track racer. Um, but now I've heard a lot with the TVs. Um, you know, people saying like, "No, don't do TVs. Like terrible, bad." But then if you get some of the higher end, you know, TVs with the higher refresh rates, that they're actually, you know, pretty good. I would still err on the side of like, you know, 27s, I think are the sweet spot for triples. Um, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be doing triples. I would say triples too. And then I'm asking about that roll of toilet paper that's on the railing there. <laughs> I, uh, I did answer uh, in the discord channel to this listener and I told him, look, if it's TVs, no, but if it's monitors, yes, go with triples. I mean, there's a difference between TVs and monitors. And so that's my recommendation. Uh, and I said, look, if you if you only have the TVs to choose, go with the ultra one. Yep. Now I run uh, VR, so I don't really care about monitors, but I do have like a 32 inch or 36 inch TV is my, my main monitor. And I don't do anything on it, just um, loading stuff up basically. And I hate it. It sucks. Even as just for what it does. There you go. All right, Donnie, as the newest member, I've got a question for you. Do you ever deal with a little bit of a soggy problem when you're racing? Well, it's happening right now. The back. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the second time we've, uh, we've had this, this particular seat reviewed, this time by Boosted Media. And again, I mean, they're selling it, they're selling it good. I'm going to think hard about getting this one. I, I, I'm in the Mojave Desert, so... So this is that Eau Rouge cold fusion sim racing seat, uh, which blows air um, through the seat, basically. 
there's three or four fans and uh and will does his normal review just like he reviews any other uh, sim racing equipment uh thorough uh concise you know he liked it i mean he didn't feel any flex he he felt like he couldn't tell where the fans were he didn't feel them in his back the the air flows evenly throughout the cushion um and it was very comfortable to sit in for multiple hours so mike you said this is your next big project right that's still on the list i think so i mean i'm with donnie i live in the heat even though my air conditioning is on and i have fans and everything yeah i have swamp ass uh, as will ford calls it uh i wake i get up out of the seat and my back is wet and my butt is a little wet and uh it would be nice it would be a nice upgrade it looks like a pretty quality seat um uh, comparable to what i have and so yeah this is something i'm thinking about still 700 dollars. it is out of europe though so i can't imagine what the shipping might be end of every nis race the first thing michael say is all right i gotta go cool off that's true i mean i'm like i'm ready to get out of the seat immediately the only feedback he he was negative is there's a little adjuster uh for the fans that's kind of you know on the right side of the the seat and if you're not careful the adjuster can be in the way of the way you mount the seat so he said depending on your brackets you know it may or may not be a problem all right, let's transition to a transmission simulator. Brian. Yeah, this was a, a, a rig that was uh, posted. It looks like it was at a car show. Um, um, it's got it's it's more of a transmission simulator than an actual rig. Uh, it's got a basic uh, hard plastic seat and a steering wheel, but you're actually, the transmission looks like it's the real deal, you know, that you're it actually going to be using a real transmission to, uh, to uh, shift through gears. I don't know if it's used for, for practicing shifting or, or, you know, learning how to drive a shift maybe, but, um, it's it's pretty pretty amazing actually just to, just to look at all the work they did because this had to be all custom made yeah part of that bell housing looks cool. like it's a plexiglass of some sort yeah so you can see into it that's the whole thing is the outer skin of the transmission is plexiglass so you can see the inner workings this company i did look them up it's called tremec performance they make high-end uh transmissions for like race cars and high-end cars and this is how they show it off is they built this little uh sled basically where they put a real transmission in it with the tra with the translucent uh you know where you can look into it but and then there's a gear shift right in the middle of it obviously coming up out of the transmission and so they built a little seat and steering wheel so you could sit there and shift it and feel you know what is what does it feel like to shift a tremic performance uh transmission pretty cool and i was thinking when i saw this man this has got to be the next big upgrade for some sim racer mm -hmm. uh they got to buy the entire tremec performance uh transmission and, and everything and, and just mount it to their rig that's taking a butt kicker to a whole new level you gotta feel those clicks between gears right yeah definitely so that's the actual seat i'm sitting in now but i have padding i added padding and i put a seat cover on it but but yeah, no ventilation whatsoever, maybe through the belt loops on the side, but that's where all the swass comes from. Now, we were talking 
pre-show about how different a racing transmission feels to a streetcar transmission. Because uh, a few years ago, I, I actually drove a, a late model at Memphis for Rust, the Rusty Wallace experience. And beforehand, I went and borrowed from my from my dealership. I had a friend who, who sells the cars there. They um, He let me just drive uh, one of their hashbacks around that was manual shift. And it was easy. I was like, yeah, this ain't, ain't too bad. And then I, I got out on, on in the car at Memphis and kept stalling it. Is it a heavier, um, more mechanical throw? It was just a whole lot less forgiving. Uh, Tony had a lot better idea of what the actual mechanics behind it might be. Well, and it, it's just a guess. I don't know for sure, but I was just uh, likening it more to uh, a, a truck transmission. It's like a, an unsynchronized transmission. It's where you have to, um, you know, double clutch and get the clutch plates to line up properly. Yeah, part of what it had made it challenging for me is I, I had a car right in front of me, and I was obviously inexperienced and nervous about jerking it too hard and and punting the car in front of me. So I had the wheels completely turned, and just every time I'd let off the clutch, uh, uh, I just couldn't get enough gas into it. I couldn't find the bite point before it would stall out. What do we got next here, Mike? Wow. So the sorrow. A company from Europe that makes high-end cockpits. We've talked about them before in years past, but uh, we got a new review here from Gamer Muscle, uh, who reviewed their hundred thousand pound, meaning UK money. Uh, that's how much it costs. The Sorrow Ten Simulator, and it's their high top-end, you know, high high-end uh, motion rig. Everything is custom on this. They have a seat belt tensioning system. They got the D box on each corner, style up and down. Um, the wheel, the pedals, everything is is Vasaro. It's not like they're piecing together other components. Um, they do triples. Uh, looks like a fifty inches uh, triples. And uh, man, it, it's pretty cool. And and so Gamer Muscle kind of gives us a tour of the the cockpit as he's driving it. Uh, talks about the different uh, feature sets and and different things it does. I mean, some of the reasons that make it so high end is their customer base they're selling to wants a turnkey solution, and so they have one of these uh, Elgato boxes or something on the on the side where they have little push buttons. And apparently you can launch any of the Sims, a set of Corsa or iRacing or whatever, literally from a button push and to get it right into racing. They've programmed it some way. And I'm actually interested to find out how they do that. But there's not a keyboard or a mouse in sight around this thing. Apparently you can just push a button and race. Now, those are some big monitors. Um, do you think they're still far enough? Do you think they're still positioned right to get the right field of view and everything? Well, this is what Will Ford from Boosted Media does is he goes with really big triples, but the key is the distance from the eyeball to the center. And as you can see, it's a good five or six feet in this scenario. And if you have it right, you have it right. So um, it is possible to use big monitors, but man, you got to get the measurements perfect. Well, I'm looking at that uh, driver's side mirror. Nothing looks massive compared to a real driver's side mirror. 
Yeah, and I did notice as I was watching the the monitors are state are stationary, right? They're not a part of the rig, but you could see the car moving up and down in a way that made sense, especially as he was going through elevation changes at at this road course. Yeah, looks good. Looks nice. Hundred thousand dollars or pounds, but uh, you'll need a big room for this one, and probably a Denny Hamlin paycheck. So let's let's talk about value and price. I mean. Brian, you put together in your basement a cockpit that's similar. I mean, it's worthy of something like this, but you didn't pay a hundred thousand pounds either. No, um, and you know, some of it's uh, some of this might be just in the screens. I mean, if they're sixty-inch screens, look, they're pretty big screens. That, that's a that's a big chunk of cash right there. Um, right, you know. D box is really expensive compared to uh, the um, SimLab stuff that I have, um, so that's a big difference in in the um, in the motion part of it. Plus, the, um, sorry, Brian, the size of those actuators are freaking huge. They're like, you know, two and a half two and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. This is one of those you're going to buy it if you have that kind of money. I'd almost see like something like this maybe being even used for. Uh, basically uh pro race teams for their sim yeah so i mean if you want to say i have a, a scaled down version of this maybe that would be more accurate without you know without the screens um and you know i, I built a, there's i have a lot of the same features as this has just i did it with a little lot less expensive uh material Right. You pieced it together from different companies. Correct. You didn't buy it all in one source. You know, this is a one-stop shop situation. So obviously you pay a, a, you know, a premium for that. And they have several chassis lined up like they have customers. So there's somebody out there buying them. Let's jump to the results, NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up the New Hampshire event, Friday Open. I got a P22. I ran around the top 10 most of the night. Uh, basically, Q-laps every lap. I was trying as hard as I can just to keep what I got. Final restart, I was P7. I got wrecked super hard and ended up finishing P22, ouch. All right, Tony Rochette, P7. He said, I finally did it, a NIS top 10 since Kansas in May. Twice had cars wreck in front of me and tagged them, got damage fixed. The second time, I stayed in the pits a little too long and exited after thinking I got clear, but nope, I got flagged, so I had to do a pass-through. When I did the pass-through, the caution came out feet before the pit line, but I had to do it all again. It was down three laps, but attrition got me back on the lead lap for the final 10 to go. Yeah, for me, I started P17, uh, finished P18. I had, uh, you were in my split, same with uh, Stephen Llewellyn. It wasn't fast at all. Uh, during restart, I hit the car in front of me who had checked up for the car in front of him. Eventually, I was uh, turned around into the turn one fence halfway through the race, ran most of the race underpowered. Finished P18th after I survived your last lap, whatever that was on the front stretch. So it gained me uh, five spots, but I finished with uh, 16X most I've finished within a, a long time. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, Steven, he wrecked out just shortly before that. All right, Sunday open, Tony Rochette. 
Went to avoid a wreck into one, had the brakes a little too hard and set myself into the inside wall. Had the wheel wobble of death. David P30. Yeah, I did. This is the only shot I got at New Hampshire, and it, it was definitely not a good return. Uh, I was caught in two early wrecks, you know, just people wrecking in front of you and nowhere to go. And for one, for some reason, just within two wrecks, I'm at 14x. So I'm like, well, crap, I got to tiptoe around the whole time. I'm taking it mild. And then we get in a situation where one guy dive bombs another guy to put us three wide. I, I go ahead and stay up high and just kind of sort of trying to stay out of the way. And then a fourth guy. Uh, comes in and puts the bottom guy uh, as we're three wide at New Hampshire. He just dives right in there and shoves him and kills me. So it, w- it was definitely not a good return. Nothing I could do. I was trying to s- just tiptoe around and not get the drive through. And that, that was uh, at that point, I think it was 24 minutes of damage. Okay, Sunday fixed. Stephen, Lou Allen, and I ran. He got a P3. I almost won the race, but I ended up P18. I actually crossed the line second. I was actually backwards when I crossed the line. And when I got backwards as I crossed the finish line, it put me at over 17X. And because of that, it put me as a lap down or whatever, and I ended up 18th. There was 22 cautions. Um, Going into the final restart, I was third, and the top two I knew were going to tangle. I knew they were going to do something. And sure enough, going into three and four on the last lap, the guy in second dive bombs the leader, totally just takes him out, takes both of them out. And I'm thinking, okay, boom, I'm going through for the win. And uh, they go high, and I go on by, but the guy behind me had uh, other thoughts. And uh, he got into me. And uh, I went around backwards. Uh, he edged me at the line by just a, mo- a hair, but then I had the penalty. So um, none of those X's were my doing, but uh, it was the way, it, I mean, you can't miss it when there's 22 cautions, you're gonna get caught up in crap. How'd you guys do last night? Well, I kicked it off with no. P7. Uh, yeah, going to Pocono. To, uh, challenging track here, kind of hard to pass, but till you get on really old tires and then some people really burn them up then you start really gaining a lot of spots uh i almost got snubbed by pit strategy on this one we had what fuel range is about 38 laps and it's an 80 lap race we have a caution on seven or eight on lap seven or eight about half the field pits it looks like we're gonna go green and i'm like well crap i'm probably going to uh get snubbed on it but we I was running like P4 at that point. We had a lap car that just kind of saved all the people who stayed out under the first caution. And then I was able to make it back up to P7, even after uh, getting run over in the tunnel turn. Um, it was just uh, at that point, it was late enough. I was not going to just bail out. So I tried to get back up on the track. And the, and the guy that punted me kept me from hitting the wall. So um, kind of lucked out there. Okay. I got a P4. At the initial start of the race, someone spun out and destroyed the field. And I got wiped out in that and with over two minutes damage. Of course, I had to stay out for the wave around while other foolish drivers pitted who ended up having to pit again under green for penalties. So after that, we ended up with a stop with 60 to go 
so I did a, a green flag stop with 30 to go, basically cutting it in half, and it short pitted almost everyone. There was one guy that did it right before me. I ended up P2 after the green flag stop cycled. I was like P9 or 10 before the, the, the cycle. Um, so the short pit worked pretty good. Um, did fade back a bit before the next caution. I restarted P5, I got to P2. I couldn't catch the leader though. I was like, man, I was, I got, I got close, but I just couldn't catch him. And then it stayed green and I started to fade. And I ended up fading back uh, to fifth, ended up with a P4. Right on, so you guys had a busy night, Wednesday night. Uh, Tony Rochette, P5, he stated, Hell yeah, ran great all night, was second on the leader's bumper going to the white and slammed the wall out of three. Uh, man, it felt good to have a front runner car and not get wrecked by stupid stuff. So P5 for uh, Tony Rochette. Tyler had a P6. He states, finally a top 10. Glad to get a solid finish. Crazy start of the race when half the field got wiped out. I made it through the wreck, but net coated with a 4X. Kept the car clean the rest of the night and settled in with a tight car late race caution after pit strategy shook things up but he defended well stoked to get a good run excited for sunday fixed uh tom finished p3 started in the back to get a handle on how things how how these cars would be in a pack was able to work my way up into the top 10 before lap 20. final stop with 20 to go i was able to get myself into uh, third a few nice battles back and forth and i was able to bring the car home in third i'll take a top five Looks like uh, Steven uh, wrecked out before taking the green flag. No, uh, no description there. That doesn't sound well, that fun. Was the that, same was, that was in Mike's race. I was in. Ah, yeah. okay. And his wheel, uh, his right wheel was laying flat. I mean, it was like the camber was so much that it was flat. I mean, and he, he was getting ready to roll around a pit road. I'm like, dude, it looks like you're done. Uh, but the damage model uh, really showing through at this track. All right, Bobby finished p20 stated my fault on pit exit but not bad after being off for five months ran near in the top 10 otherwise how'd you guys do thursday open today yeah i ran today p13 uh i started 10th i worked my way up to the lead ran top five or so i took the lead at 23 to go and kept it until about 14 to go and faded hard I ended up hitting the wall hard and faded even more harder. Ended up with a P13 after leading up till uh, 14 to go. I, I just can't keep tires on at this track. I, I'm really good for the first 10 to 15 laps. I'm literally the fastest car out there. But then after that, I'm just done. They have, a, they have half a second on me. So um, if I would have got late cautions, I would have won that race, no doubt. Yeah, Tony Rochette, P, what's better than a fifth? How about a second? Great run race, great fun race, was hoping for a long run at the end, whereas getting most likely win on fuel, but no, someone had to bring out a caution with 10 to go. Restarted third, chased the leader for about five laps, but was just too tight at the end. First podium since Candace, Kansas and first runner up since that fateful night with the dirty Bristol. And he was going to win that race if that caution hadn't come out because he had enough fuel to make it and the, everybody in front of him didn't. And so he was sitting pretty. And so, yeah, it was a bummer that caution came out. I jumped into his race on the final lap to watch him try to win it, but he couldn't, he couldn't get to the leader. Uh, and so he finished second. 
I did come in P11. I was in top split this time, and I really honestly had about a 20th place car, except except I probably started gathering up more spots on the long run. When we'd get to 30, 40 lap older tires, I was catching almost everybody. Um, but I did win the, to the coin toss on the fuel strategy this time. I took the opposite approach and went ahead and stopped when we had a pit stop with within the range. It actually didn't take tires, just topped off the fuel and gained a little bit of track position as well and stolen 11th out of it, I think. All right, official racing. Donnie, you did uh, late model. Yeah, so this series with my time slot, I'm just simply outmatched. I did um, the open and the fixed uh, P10, P11, respectfully. Um, one of my races, I had a 9,000 uh, I-rated guy in there. He obviously beat us. Um, but I'm just... I'm just slower than the guys that I, I race with on this, these particular uh, time slots. Uh, still having fun, but I'm losing the I rating while I do it, so I'm kind of weighing that back and forth. But uh, for the B Open, uh, P11 on Tuesday night started P13. I had good long run sp uh, speed, but a green-white checkered at the end uh, killed my momentum. Same thing for, for uh, last night. I uh, didn't qualify. I was trying to make adjustments to my qualifying set, uh, made too, too, too many aggressive changes, spun out in qualifying. Uh, so I got to start in the back. We're on lap one, a back marker doored me uh, out of turn one, uh, sending me into the fence. Uh, but I had good long run speed, uh, gambled with five to go as we got a caution, me and another car. I think we started uh, fourth and fifth. We both stayed out and um that backfired for both of us i think he finished 15th i finished 17th we only had about 10 laps on our tires so i was hoping that gamble was going to pay off but uh, apparently apparently not <laughs> not at this track all right fast track league race uh greg was p10 adam p21 uh and then david p9 yeah, not terribly fast, but decent long run speed. I'd get a lot of spots back there towards the end, I think. I ended up wrecked out. I wasn't doing horrible. I was running, I think, right behind you for most of it, David. I was around 10th. And about 10 to go, the guy on my outside just loses it and just slams me into the inside wall. I mean, he called out, you know, sorry on the radio, I think, briefly, but it didn't uh, help me much. 24 minutes damage. Yeah, Greg did almost run me over. Uh, well, in fact, he, he, he rear-ended me pretty hard. I was pulling him on the outside, had completely cleared him. And since I had completely cleared him, I figured... Through the worst block. <laughs> that was not a block. I was going faster than you. If you had the run... If you had the run, it's a block. If I clear you, it's my corner. And I did clear you. But I it, almost cleared you off my front yeah, bumper. No kidding. But no, that but uh you hit me square enough that I was able to hold on to it. I feel like it, I felt like your trailer as I was going into the corner, because I was it felt like you were pulling me into the corner. I was hitting your back head so hard. Yeah, because I'm 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 not gonna turn down if you're there, but I can definitely see in JRT I've cleared. And so uh, at that point. Uh, I, I, I should be able to run the racing line, not just stay on the outside and let you dive right back in. Well, I think this was a big discussion about patience and stuff like that. And I don't know why, you know, we raced pretty good around each other and stuff like that. Like I knew you, I knew you would try and clear there. And I kind of, I think I locked up an inside tire or got close to it. That's why I kind of got on you so much, but I'm also racing 
we had, uh, I think it was West that was right around us too at that time. And we were trying to, you know, it was a couple laps to go. We were trying to finish it up there. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to blame you for throwing the block here. Um, I probably, probably would have been mad if I would have run you over, but, um, you know, it was just hard racing. And I just think we're kind of losing sight of that on the Monday Night Racing League with some of the complaining that's going on. And it's kind of getting, getting on my nerves when, I, when it just gets more and more talked about day after day. Yeah. Um, and I don't like, I'll still say again, I don't think it was a block. If, if you were catching me, it would have been a block, but I had actually pulled you and beaten you out of the straightaway. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, right. A, a lot of the complaining involves some guys that were a little bit, I guess, further back than us. Like, there, there's some guys who definitely got mouthy with each other. I must have missed that. That was right. Probably after I got wrecked out. What about uh, get her done GT3 series? Oh, I mean, uh, E something, something, something series. KCE. Um, trying to remember what I did last week. I think it was, what track was last week? Anyways, I think it was a second place in this, in something else. I can't remember now. It was, I'm, I'm having a really tough week remembering what, what's going on, but yeah, I can't remember where I finished it. I know it was good racing, um, but uh, I think I finished first in the first heat and then um, finished second in the second heat uh, in it. But uh, good race. Uh, I don't think I'm going to make tonight's race because we don't have a really big field tonight and it's at Le Mans. And the worst part is, is if you're driving Le Mans in the GT3 series, one car has a very, very big uh, advantage and there's you know you can't do anything about it the BMW is just it's two seconds a lot faster that we're kind of talking we were talking about that when we were talking about the spa balance of power is that depending on what track you are at different cars will have different advantages and in that league you're stuck with the car you choose for the whole season yep and the BMW was overpowered at spa too we had done spa a couple of weeks ago in the uh, the KCE league compared to the Merc. Yep. Well, we have the old Merc, so I don't know what it is to the new Merc because the old Merc, uh, they didn't fix that because they had set up all their rooms before the new Merc came out. Yeah, we're running this weekend where Chris Cross is running the, the Mercs and the Merc actually has. We talked about it earlier. The Merc has a 12 kilogram penalty on it, too. That's weird. That must be. It must have a lot of power and cornering ability. Then it's super stable in Eau Rouge. It 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 was just so much easier to drive up through Eau Rouge compared to the McLaren. Yeah, because the old one. When I remember a lot, we were there a couple weeks ago. When you come out of the second part of Eau Rouge, it uh, it wants to lose the rear end a bit. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Um, so I finally got into my rig this past week. I had some updates to do because I was a little behind. Um, got some, uh, so I got some practice in and uh, felt really good to be back in the, in behind the wheel. And uh, so uh, next step is just to get get some racing in. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, we're we're smoking that Pocono this week. This team. I mean, we had a bunch of top ten. So Brian, you need to get out there and. Get it while it's hot. David Hall, final thoughts. Well, vacation's almost over, but uh, like, like I said, got to go go off and start the marching camp. I, I don't know how much uh, 
of that indie course I'm going to run. And the next week's going to be pretty slammed as well. Cause we'll have workshops all day and then, and band practice till seven 30 in the evening. So it's going to be, um, going to be a couple of light weeks, but that's, you know, that's just how it is. March season. Now that COVID's completely gone, that that's when, when the day job really kicks in. Um, man, I, I, I got one thing. I just dive bombers. If, if you're not in the corner beside the guy before, the breaking zone—it's not your corner, and I'll never agree with that. If you think you can, on an, especially on an oval, jump in there and outbreak when I've when I've already started my breaking and turning, so I know people won't disagree won't agree on that, but uh, that's just something that's that I'm going to continue to disagree on. Pass on exit, not on entry. All right, Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Not having fun this week. I'll be on tomorrow night for NIS the NIS race, uh, but. Uh, piggyback on what David's saying. Yeah, turn one in Poconos. Got to watch out for the dive bombers on the inside. But now another fun week. Looking forward to next week. A lot of topics this show. So a lot to talk about. It was fun. All right. Very good. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, I'm starting my, a project. Uh, this this uh, I'm going to be doing it tomorrow night, installing it before the race. I hope I can get it done. Um, I have two fans coming the links that you sent me there mike i got two fans coming tomorrow um i have the fully 3d printed wind simulator set from kyle from our team off of his uh page and uh he also printed me a couple of um i don't know if you guys can see it in the camera here but they're uh the hangers for my wheels so i can mount them on the wall or my rig if i want they fit in this uh the i have a quick release one and then i have one that's uh for the ones that don't have the quick release on it and uh yeah just looking uh forward to setting the wind simulator up for uh re- the pocono race tomorrow night so you got the arduino already or two yeah he did it all up for me perfect yeah that's great that kyle you know put it that together as a package for you all you need to supply is the fans basically right yeah and then just do the final wiring up as i you know snake it through my rig and stuff all right, I hope you like it. Uh, I sure like mine. All right, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, I mean, racing at Pocono and running well. I mean, I, w- I can get up front. Like I said, I'm fastest out there usually on short runs. But that's all I got is short run speed. And so I guess tomorrow night, you know, if I'm going to win, I need, a, I need some short runs with some tires at the end, I guess, um, or something different than what I've had where I've had longer than a 15 lap run at the end. Uh, that's the only way I'm going to win at this track. I, I can't seem to save tires. I, I've tried that today. I can try as hard as I can, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm slow later, um, even if I save. So I haven't figured that out. I guess that's why it's hard. But uh, hey, if it was easy, nobody would do it. Mike, we need to. Uh, you need the Harry Hogg scene from Days of Thunder, where you run 50 laps your way and then 50 laps someone else's way. That's right. Maybe I need some lesson or something. But yeah, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So uh, I'll just go out there and do what I do and uh, see what I can get. All right. With that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.